Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Exceptional Scribble Show. I am your host, Sage the Poet. And again, I am coming to you live via the TalkShoe.com internet radio server. Yes, you heard me correctly, dot talkshoe.com and for those who would like to join me in the chat room again I am your host Sage the Poet you can simply visit via the online link which is www.talkshoe.com and the show's ID number is 1331 Nine three for all who would like to call in. Here is the call in number, area code seven two four 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 seven four four four. I repeat seven two four 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 seven four four four. And one more thing: do not forget to dial a one first. Yes. Now, you have to listen closely for the voice prompt. When you hear the voice prompts, you will be instructed on what's next. You will be asked for the show's ID number, which is 133-193, and then the pound key. After which, you will be asked for a PIN number. If you are not currently a member of TalkShoe, then you will be invited as a guest, so you would simply need to press 1 and then the pound key, after which you will be connected to the show's live recording, and you'll be in the call queue. Please wait patiently for the host, Sage the Poet, to introduce you to speak. I will introduce or invite you to speak in the order in which you called in. Thank you. So let's get started. First and foremost, today is Tuesday, terrific Tuesday. Yes, it's always a terrific Tuesday on the panel of the Exceptional Scribble Show. And it is September. We're still in the month of September the 19th. Yes, September the 19th, 2017. And we are coming to you live. It is now 8.02 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And for those joining us via Pacific Time, 
Your time is 5.03 p.m. Pacific time. We want to invite every caller. It doesn't matter whether you are a resident on the East Coast, the West Coast, you are welcome. If you're a resident in Florida, if you're a resident in the Virgin Islands, you are welcome because we're coming to you live via the Internet Radio TalkShoe server, which is an international broadcast. Yes. Anywhere, whether you're here in the U.S. or abroad, you can connect. And we do welcome everyone to the show, wherever you are located. And, of course, when you call in, we would like to know where you're calling from. So feel free to give us that information. Introduce yourself. Give us your name. Give us, if you are an artist, let us know you're an artist. If you're not an artist and you're just an art enthusiast, feel free to state your claim because not everyone is gifted to be artistically inclined, but many of us appreciate the arts. So if you are a supporter of the indie or independent artist community, please, when you call in, let that be known because we support the indie independent artist community on this platform, the Exceptional Scribbles Show, 365 days. So that means off the air as well as on the air. Events that we do, activities that we participate, it's all centered on that premise. We love the arts. You got to have art, ladies and gentlemen. You got to have it. Without art, this world would be void. Yes, art adds energy, spirit, and life, and texture, colors, and etc. to the universe. So without art, everything would be lacking something. Keep that in mind. I want you to allow that fact to ponder in your thinking, in your mind. Meditate on that. So here's a little brief intro about tonight's forecast. On tonight, during the exclusive interview hour, which begins now, the feature artist in the spotlight will be Daniel Theodore Harris. Here's a little info about Daniel. This is a brief artist Profile, of course. He is a vocalist, pianist, writer, entrepreneur, and so much more. Yes, there's a lot more than what I've shared that you're going to discover. Yes, for some of you, this is your first time becoming acquainted with Mr. Harris, so you have a lot to look forward to. Even with the information, the little information that I provided, that says plenty. Our topic for tonight is the Community Gala. 
Yes, there will be a community gala on the following date, September the 29th, which falls on a Friday at 7 p.m. to 12 a.m. The location will be the Victorian Banquet Hall at 4809 Germantown Avenue in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. One more thing, the Community Gala is a free event. Here are some details. It is an intergenerational talent showcase party, a community-based event, ladies and gentlemen, to spread love and positive energy. Now, this is important for those who are calling in to speak with the feature artist, Daniel Theodore Harris, or the show host, Sage the Poet, during the exclusive interview hour. First, you have to dial 724-444-7444. Next, you will be prompted, listen carefully to the voice prompts, you will be prompted to enter the show ID number, which is one three three one nine three, and then the pound key. Lastly, you will be asked for your PIN number. If you have a PIN number, meaning you are a member of TalkShoe, you would simply dial it and then press the pound key to join the call. If you are not a member of TalkShoe, you will be entering as a guest caller. So you would simply press 1 and then the pound key. And last but not least, to join the host, Shades the Poet, in the chat room, from your computer, simply visit the TalkShoe dot com link www.talkshoe.com and then you would you would type in the show's ID number once you have navigated to the TalkShoe homepage. You will see at the top of the page there is a space provided with a tab for you to enter the show's ID number. You will then enter one three three one nine three and then the pound key. I repeat one three three one nine three and then the pound key. Thank you. Okay, at this time we're gonna get ready for the following. I need to do some special shout outs. First and foremost I want to acknowledge the No Note Show. Ladies and gentlemen, if you are in need of a promoter for an upcoming event, simply do a search under the following name, the No Notes Show. The No Notes Show. The No Notes Show consists of a team of business-minded individuals whom are skilled, whom are classically trained 
in business administration and mass media marketing. Contact online via Facebook or social media in general. The No Notes Show. You can even visit YouTube and find the No Notes Show has a channel where you can review and see all of the events that they have there, which features how they serve and service the community. A big shout-out to Stephen Rodriguez of the No Notes Show. Also, a big shout-out to the Focus Group, of which I am a co-founder. The Focus Group is a community-centered, community-based group of professionals who believe in supporting indie-slash-independent artists 365 days. The Focus Group has a special event, which is forthcoming. On September 30th, they will be launching their first annual Artist Summit, which caters to the indie independent artist community. Come, support, and join us. The event will take place from 1 p.m. in the afternoon until 5 p.m. Yes, you will learn a lot. There will be a panel of speakers whom will present on the following topics, copyrights, registration, and insurance, publishing, mass media marketing, and promotions, and last but not least, Collaboration, artist collaboration equals craft mastery. Also, we will have several artists to perform at the first annual Artist Summit. One of the artists is the feature artist for tonight's show, Mr. Daniel Theodore Harris. So, ladies and gentlemen, don't miss out on being a part of something worthwhile, and something that will benefit you in many ways, especially if you are an indie or independent artist. Now, at this time, without any further ado, I am now rolling the red carpet and turning the spotlight onto the feature artist tonight. Again, the feature artist for episode 181 of the exceptional Scribble Show is Daniel Theodore Harris. Again, his artist profile descriptively tells us the following things about Mr. Harris. He is a vocalist, a pianist, a writer, and an entrepreneur, among many other things. So be prepared at this time. Get your writing tools and note-taking 
supplies in hand. Prepare to take notes, for you will engage in dialogue that is meaningful and true enlightenment shall occur. Help me to present to some and to introduce to others our feature artist for tonight, Mr. Harris. Welcome, Mr. Harris. Hello, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. And how are you this evening? I'm great, I'm great. I'm honored to have this uh, opportunity. And I just wanted to say thank you for giving me this opportunity. This is the first time that really um, that I've had to talk about myself and my class. Um, yeah. So I really thank you, and I'm appreciative of you having this uh, format, particularly for artists and independent artists. So I'm very grateful. The pleasure is all mine, and thank you for accepting my invitation. And um, I've given like a little brief profile, uh, just telling a few descriptive uh, details about who Mr. Daniel Theodore Harris is. From my perspective now, I'm going to give you the mic and allow you the opportunity to introduce yourself in a more intimate way to our listeners, and thank you. Well, um, <laughs> this is always <laughs> a difficult part because I um, I try to live a life where everything that I do, I try to enjoy. Um, I, I'm definitely a creative soul, and I try mm-hmm. not to allow anything um, or you know, any kind of energy to disrupt that. But um, just to give you a little bit about myself, let me see. I've been singing um, since fourth grade. Um, well, I did have to adopt in church um, and started uh, the more professional uh, educational path in fourth grade. I started mm-hmm. um, playing the piano when I was about 14, um, and I, from that, I, uh, when I started playing, uh, a local church, well, a friend of mine was attending this local church and asked me to help him out. Um, and so I was playing for the children, the cherubim choir of First National oh. Church of Huntington Valley. And from mm-hmm. there, I began to learn and watch other musicians, uh, which is also important, you know, how we develop mm-hmm. our craft and being around other musicians to just offer uh, that kind of support and offer a different sound uh-huh. because we all have our own unique talents and gifts, but to be able to learn from each other uh, is, mm-hmm. is a part of the musical process. And from there, uh started playing um, as I was graduating from high school, started to play for my home church, which is Cana Baptist Church. Shout out to okay. Young Town. Um, <laughs> then... From there, um, well, at that particular time, I was also um, participating in some theater programs at Temple University. It wasn't a program, but it was an actual production uh, called Sankofa. And so that gave me the opportunity to understand music from the uh, theater uh, live, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, situation. And then from there, went to school to Morehouse sung in the Morehouse College Glee Club, was continuing to uh, play for uh, different churches there uh, in different worship styles, which is also important. 
um, yeah. in regards to just in your musicianship or in your ability to uh, uh, have diverse crowds and diverse settings, which will in turn maximize mm-hmm. your ability to get up no matter who it is and, pre- and present your craft um, and have your craft well uh, so uh, there in Atlanta, had other opportunities um, through just you know volunteering and playing for church. Um, in regards to at that particular time, the movie scene and uh, 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 production companies were coming in. You know, we all know Tyler Perry, and so um, other uh, production um, organizations were coming in. And uh, I was fortunate to have uh, a role in the lottery ticket, which is uh, one of the main stars was uh, Little Bow Wow. Um, In the church scene, I was actually recorded live playing the organ. I also played the organ, um, both the Hammond organ as well as the pipe organ. Um, And that kind of uh, created a platform for me and, and uh, film and acting, and then after that, I got uh, one major role in the stage play uh, there in Atlanta at uh, Bishop Paul S. Morton's church. Um, for those who may not know, he is the uh, one of the uh, bishops, or at least the founding bishop of the uh, Full Gospel um, Baptist uh, Fellowship. Um, that's kind of you know worldwide and internationally known, and, um, yeah, so, you know, I've had a lot of um, experiences in just my creativity, um, delved a little bit into fashion, um, I like to dress, and I like to see what the trends are in fashion, because fashion and music go hand in hand, um, and, uh, you know, I can draw a little bit, you know, um, just, just, I consider myself a creative soul, um, and try to utilize all of my talents in a way that um, you know changes energies, particularly uh, negative energy into positive energy, and uh, in a way that hopefully I can be a part of culture building and just giving back. So, in a nutshell, that's pretty much it. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you. Um, I do want to say to all listening, I do apologize. I'm not sure what caused my uh, line to be a drop call line, but I had to literally call back in and to uh, go through the whole process of granting my PIN number access and everything. So just wanted to let that be known in case any callers have called in and have experienced uh, a disconnect. There may be a little... Um, technical difficulties with the server. So just bear with us um, as as for the TalkShoe Internet server because if you try and call back in, I'm sure you'll get through. That happened to me already. <laughs> so I just want to put that out there so nobody gets discouraged if they call and they are not able to get through their first time calling. Just hang up and uh, call back you will definitely get through. Um, Thank you, Daniel, as well, for all the information that you provided. Um, I I really um, appreciate you sharing with everyone the necessity of artists 
supporting each other, artists coming together, um, artists fine-tuning their craft, and that being achieved by networking. I like that you brought that out because I think sometimes if an artist is an independent artist, a lot of times they can spend a lot of time alone. And if you're not, yeah, you know, and if you're not careful, you can become a loner in the regard of neglecting yourself, the privilege of networking outside of you, being connected with that circle of artists that's bigger than you, where you can glean from other artists. And that's a way to successfully master your craft and to do so at a faster, yes, faster accelerated rate. Can you touch on um, just how that benefited you, networking with other Uh, artists? Yeah, and and if I might add, you know, just as Mm -hmm. Native people, sometimes we can be, you know, antisocial or at least not the easiest uh, individuals to work with, but what I <laughs> found in my own experience is just to make sure that you um that I am constantly checking my energy because everything, you know, when you talk about creativity and expression, um, it has uh it's more than just singing, you know. Um, even just uh when you look at predominantly um uh, people of color and uh the, their ability to just transmit this energy. Um, so I'm constantly, um, and 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 that's the, you know it's more than that. It's a part of the creative side, but just making sure that your energy is as best as it can be, and, and in tune. Uh, my perspective is from um, a church kind of setting, which is also spiritual. But every time you know I go to sing or or to play, it's almost like you know you're um, I'm constantly checking my energy and also just checking the energy in the room. Um, mm-hmm. And then there's also some venues I've, I've experienced that you know I can't I can't effectively um, uh, give pre present my 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 abilities because the energy is not right. But just in regards mm-hmm. to just that that whole, but that's a part of the again networking again building your craft and networking experience because uh, for me it's always. Um, you know, you never know what project, uh, you know, you'll have. And so if you uh, network and you build relationships and you see other people's talent, you know, an opportunity might come and you're able to pinpoint others um, directly uh, to, to that, to, to, to uh, help you out in that, in that, that capacity, you know, just from the standpoint of being a church musician or even now, um, uh, having this acting role, um, shout out to Benjamin mm-hmm. Ocean of Earthy Soul Productions, who is doing his first production. But you know, we started off uh, just as friends, and now he's doing this production. He said, "You know, hey, I want you to sing," and so I am singing in his play. You know, his first play. Um, oh, so nice. that's just the power of, and that, and for me, it's given me and my talent exposure to other individuals, um, just upon, just based upon a relationship, relationship building. But uh, also, uh, I think, is a part of the conversation. We're not networking just to network. network. 
um, which right. is also for me important as an artist to be a part of the political conversations and um, conversations around institution building and community mm-hmm. development um, where, um, you know, schools have been um, uh, just the funding for arts programs have been taken out. Um, and just being in communities where uh, that art, that artistry, and that appreciation of art, particularly in communities of color, color and underserved communities, you know, we as musicians have the ability to advocate. You know, hey, I want my community to look like center city communities where you hear music all the time. You know, um, to uh, yeah. as that as that as that, you know, advocacy and activism, you know, just for uh, music uh, in the city because, you know, the conversation is also important because if you don't develop uh, ways to to develop uh, artists and musicians and so forth and so on, uh, you lose a really big part of the essence of the city and the culture mm. of the people. Um, and that's so um, that's also the power that we also mm-hmm. to create that you know, political force that says, you know what, we want our community to look like this. We want to have places to perform that are, you know, that aren't um, too expensive. You know what I'm saying? One thing in Atlanta was also uh, very uh, strategic in them developing um, their artists is that they provided affordable living um, mm-hmm. places that mm-hmm. you can you know that you can live that that's affordable. Uh, I'm thinking about uh, that. There's a particular area called Little Five Point, and so they purposefully uh, constructed uh, housing and apartments for artists that were affordable mm. because again, as, you know, if you're an independent artist, and you know you're mm-hmm. um, putting all of your time into your creativity and your artistry. More than likely, you're not going to be making a whole lot of money starting off, and so right. um, that's also a part of the advocacy or the activism that can happen among networking among other like-minded people and artists and so forth and so on. Very good, very good. Well said and significant. Uh, uh, points to be made. A lot of times uh, I've heard people say, if I only had this amount of money, and these were comments made by artists, if I only had this amount of money, I could achieve this, I could go here, I could um, invest, and, and it would turn into this for me. But a lot of times I think as artists, when you talk like that, you're speaking in the singular voice, meaning you're excommunicating mm-hmm. yourself from the larger community of artists. And I think when you network with other artists, you find out what resources you're not privy to or things you mm-hmm. may not already be aware of that are accessible mm-hmm. and they're available. It's just a matter of you tapping into them. So I'm really glad that you mentioned it. Sometimes it could be a matter of relocating for a period of time. Uh, there's some affordable living opportunities outside of the community where you now reside. So we, you do have to be flexible to a certain extent and be willing 
because it may mean you have to move. <laughs> you can't be stationary yeah. where you are now. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, and one of the things about, yeah. like, Philadelphia is, like, it's very interesting because Philadelphia is a city, you know, of full of independent artists. But at mm-hmm. the same time, when you talk about, like, on an industry level, um, it's not really the com- best conducive uh, for the development of, um, um, you know, it's more, you know, you have a, a larger uh, uh, prevalence of uh, occupations um, in, you know, like health and, and the medical mm-hmm. and, and pharmaceutical companies and stuff like that. So, you know, even with that, you know, networking to, um, you know, part of my platform is how creative expression can um, improve your your health outcomes, and so it's mm-hmm. also mm-hmm. Um, you oh, know yeah. also just being able to know your city, know your know what you have to offer, and see if there are by, uh, resources you know for funding, um, and in a way that you know again you're you're fixing your creativity but you're also uh, a part of a large, larger conversation. Yes, indeed. I love that, how you how you put that into words. You've got to see yourself as a part of the big picture. If you isolate yourself, you're not seeing the big picture. If you excommunicate from the bigger circle of artists, then you're only seeing what you're seeing, which is narrow, and you're you're missing out on a lot. So we definitely are speaking to those artists that that are um, individualistic. A lot of times, it's not that you mean to be, but you've kind of been forced to. Maybe um, you're in a community that doesn't appreciate the arts as much. So you're finding that it's just you and maybe one or two others. But build on that. Um, Take advantage of social media. You may be able to find that you can do some uh, networking online and connect with others and find out there are more in the area where you are to form a home-based group that is community-centered and um, community-based and consists of artists who appreciate the arts and want to contribute and give back to the community. So, in other words, we're just saying don't uh, be contrived in your thinking or your approach as an artist. Remember, you're a part of a community that's bigger than you. And stay open or willing to connect with that community. And once you connect with that community, stay connected. Um, Sometimes artists tend to go through... uh, Moods. I, I like to call them seasons. Like you have spring, you have fall, and during the the winter, it seems like you're not getting much calls. You know, a lot of people aren't contacting you for work, or it just seems like a lot of doors are closed. Don't give up. Don't allow your emotions to cause you to close yourself off from the world per se. Um, at that time, be like that caterpillar inside the cocoon. 
where you know your time will come for you to break out. But right now, it's time for you to harness your energies and your strength and, and stay busy during that time. When it seems like those doors aren't opening, that's a good time. That's a time for you to just start working and and. And and allow those creative juices to flow, and 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 make things, do things. Sometimes you have to be your own cheerleader, or you know, like your own promoter, in a sense, to get yourself out there where you need to be, front and center. And don't be afraid to push. Sometimes people um, feel like, well. I don't want to come off like I'm too pushy. I don't want to force my um, self on others. Well, I think for the most part, sometimes if you're too contrived and you hold back all of that gifting that you have, that that inner uh, light that you have, if it's not shining and it's not a bold presentation of it, how is anyone going to know or be touched by it? How are you going to influence or impact the community and the world if you're not doing something? So don't allow yourself to get contrived or or, or uh, locked up in into a prison, per se, because things aren't moving fast, it's the winter season, you know, you're going through some things, mood change, seasons change, right? So don't be hard on yourself. Just allow yourself to move in that timing and season with whatever the flow is, whatever the energy is for that time and season and know your moment's going to come. So during that time you're waiting on your moment to be up front, work behind the scenes and don't feel bad about it, right? Never quit, never give up. Um, in reference to uh, Daniel, in reference to your art artistry, because I know that you're an artist on many levels, even your way of dress testifies of that. <laughs> you have that artistic flair in your style of dress, shall I say that much. Um, who do you accredit to for that, uh, that artistic way of expression via the way you dress? Um, well, from the early stage and just being raised up in uh, church, mm-hmm. um, a holiness church uh, that are uh, commonly known as Pentecostal, you know, those, you, know, those mm-hmm. little, you know, folks, depending on, you know, your uh, frame of reference. But anyways, um, just getting up every Sunday, um, and having to, you know, get dressed up, you know, what that felt like. Um, particularly, yeah. you know, on a community setting, but just uh, in regards to just being a young black boy, you know. Um, mm-hmm. uh, my my school experience was predominantly white, 
So, um, you know, as I grew older, I kind of yearned for that more uh, of an Afrocentric experience. But okay. um, even even in still just to having that pride um, and just being just and th- and that's also a part of the uh, the reason why I'm doing the community gala um, in Germantown mm-hmm. um, because I remember coming you know my grandmother on Saturdays coming uh, to Germantown and there would be nice stores and I remember at Easter food um, that actually I still had I just gave it away. And I just really regret that I gave it away uh, because it was a, a unique um, it was a unique suit um, okay. and material and just even the, um, the, the 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 suit in and of itself. Um, but I was able to get that here in Germantown. Um, mm-hmm. and my grandmother would get you know my grandfather's and my uncle's derbies um, from uh, stores and just. Just seeing the conversation of fashion um, and communities of color and yeah. why we were kind of like forced to go out to the King of Prussia or go downtown um, as opposed to, like I said, in Germantown or you shall have, um, mm-hmm. to, have uh, get, uh, to get, you know, merchandise that, you know, best suits our needs and taste. Um, and so um, that was one part of it, you know, my grandmother and just raising up in church. And then um, my favorite movie was Come, is Coming to America. Um, okay. Under that is The Devil Wears Prada. Um, and so it's just being able to, um, I remember um, one of the scenes is uh, when they were in the, uh, Eddie Murphy and Arsenio Hall was in the airport and they had these long coats and, it just was so regal <laughs> yeah. and everything like that. Um, and so I remember, you know, as a young person, just drawing different outfits, you know, because I knew how to draw a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. And just drawing different outfits and that kind of like, you know, when I grow up, I want my, you know, I want to design it look like this or that. Um, inspired by, um, you know, that movie, which um, talks about the importance of, or at least, uh, shows how uh, media and how movies and how artists and um, fashion can shape um, the minds of uh, those who are looking at their thinking. Um, yeah. And um, so, and, um, let me see. And then just being in Atlanta where it wasn't, um, I've never really felt... Um, really felt barriers in producing whatever look that I wanted to produce at that particular time, you know, um, mm-hmm. and how to, you know, execute an outfit or look. Um, you know, when I got grown enough to go out, I would go out and both sides and everything like that. You know, um, just being in an environment that were inclusive to one's self-expression and yeah. not being fit, not being felt like you had to fit into this mold, uh, but encouraged, encouraged me to simply be myself. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I love it. Um, another thing which I appreciate about you and your artistic voice is you don't mind uh, change. And I think as an artist, we constantly morph into being who we are. 
Um, I like that you can alter, you don't mind altering even your hair, the color, (laughs) the style, and you know, um, for occasions. And you see that more so with artists, you know, whether they be a musician, an actor, model, um, you know, and I also am noticing more of a freedom with males doing it. Mm-hmm. We would see women, you know, we wig it, we extend it, we, <laughs> you know, we're always changing up and going, you know, especially with the new season of the fall coming in. You know, a lot of us have already changed our hair color, some have cut it shorter, you know, and done things. But I think that it's a wonderful thing, too, for men to also feel that same liberal, you know, that liberal, um, same freedom to be liberal and free in that regard, too, where, you know, they can do it, too. It's not a uh, gender-based reality. It, it's all yeah. about the soul, you know. Yeah, and I like and I, that. I, think, I appreciate that about you know. As as we're as we're beginning to enter back in the conversation about how uh, minorities of cut uh, of uh, mm-hmm. communities of uh, minority communities uh, support and sustain themselves. Yeah, um, and uh, in particular about the black dollar. So really, what I'm doing is really just tapping into, you know, the systems to allow, you know, individuals to, again, um, uh, be creative. Like, you know, I was going to mm-hmm. be a hairdresser, um, and, you know, he would do my hair this way, that way, and the other. Um, and he was really good. And so, you know, on one hand, you know, it's helping me to create an image, but then also it's putting money into his pocket, you know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. And those, you know, just having to attend the uh, Bronner Brothers Hair Show, you know, really mm-hmm. us coming as a community to figure out how we can support and sustain ourselves um, mm-hmm. is, is very important because we did it at one point in time. That's why we have historical figures like Madam C.J. Walker, you know, who, right. was a, who was a millionaire just based upon, uh, one one invention, um, and so uh, it, as it pertains to um, you know artists, as you know, and all you know when I when I talk about creative expression, I talk about I talk about it in a broad sense, like how you what you're passionate about to um, reveal itself in a way that is uniquely yours. So it's not just conducive to um, you know, to music, but it's like, okay, you're a business person. Well, how do you use your ability to handle business um, Mm -hmm. as a creative expression? Or, you know, you're a construction worker, you know, uh, building a house. That's a a kind of creativity um, that that can be a part of that process. Um, So you might not be able to change, but you can still engage in the creative process. Um, yeah. You, you know, whether you be in fashion, um, from just wearing the outfit uh, to mm-hmm. making the outfit, you know, there's a, there's right. a place for everybody in this whole thing. And just about, you know, utilizing our resources and our talents in a way that supports, um, supports our communities, particularly our underserved communities. 
Um, and, uh, you know, just, uh, again, uh, talks about changing the culture, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and hopefully in a way that that we begin to realize that, you know, we are the change. Um, mm-hmm. And we can use our creativity uh, to really live and create the world and communities that we want to live in. Wonderful. Well, at this time, we're going to take a music break, and when we when we return, we will resume the interview, and we will have you discuss more about the Community Gala. Okay. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, again, thank you for tuning in to Episode 181 of the Exceptional Scribbles Show. At this time, we are taking a music break, and when we return, we will resume our interview with the feature artist in the spotlight for night for tonight's show, Mr. Daniel Theodore Harris. And the song for our music break is Scars to You're Beautiful.
long is to wait until you get out of that bubble. Because the things that seem like weaknesses, that seem like weird things that make you strange, when you become an adult and get out of the world, you're going to find out that all those differences, they're like your greatest strength. You're beautiful. I'm going to read some words, and this goes along with the song. Oftentimes, the world, both directly and indirectly, tells us that we shouldn't be happy with ourselves if we don't fit certain beauty standards. Scars to your beautiful is a reminder that beauty isn't only one look, shape, size, or color. It isn't even always tangible. It comes in an endless amount of forms, and we need to recognize that. And that is Perspective by the artist of the song Scars to Your Beautiful, Alicia or Alasia, Kara or Kara, ladies and gentlemen. I hope that you were inspired by the music and the message with the music because it was truly inspiration. And that goes out to every artist. That goes out to every one tuning in tonight. At this time, we're going to continue the interview with our feature artist in the spotlight. And I'm also welcoming the supporting host of the Exceptional School Show, Donaldson Flow Time. Welcome, Donaldson. Oh, my goodness. I'm unmuted. Well, it is a pleasure to be with you, Sage, once again. And it sounds like you have someone Thank very you. knowledgeable uh, here as a guest tonight. Um, yes, indeed. And I've, as you know, I've been working in the background here cleaning up the glass. <clears throat> oh, okay. And okay. literally cleaning. So, um uh, you know how I do. I, I'm constantly on the grind here. Uh, constantly. But yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. I've um, also been listening to all this creative uh, 
rhetoric here. So let's mm-hmm. let's get back to that because that was really inspirational. Then let me know when you want me to, uh, you know. <laughs> sure. And, of course, you know, if you have any uh, thing that you would like to direct to the feature artist in the spotlight, if it's a question or just a comment or remark, feel free to do so now. And we'll follow up with continuing the remainder of the interview for tonight. Okay. Well, I guess that's the answer. <laughs> yeah, actually, well, no, I don't have a question right now. I apologize. Um, no yeah, sorry problem. Sorry about that. All right. <laughs> well, um, so maybe up here, and I'll be listening. Thank you very much. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you. Um, thanks for listening. Well, at this time, we're going to continue the interview, and we're going to hear more about the community gala. And we're going to hear from our feature artist, Mr. Daniel Theodore Harris. Welcome back. Thank you. Um, well, uh, I'm fortunate to have a nonprofit called The Forward Firm. The vision of The Forward Firm is to create a culture where black men can define and celebrate their lives. Right now, the mission statement, I'm currently working on my business plan. I'm trying to figure mm-hmm. out my target population, but as it stands now, the mission statement is to holistically empower underserved communities to react through to react through the art of self-expression and react stands for research, education, advocacy, creative expression, and technology. And basically, you know how we can use these tools to create create a culture that changes, uh, particularly the plight of black men. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, I realized, you know, uh, just putting on the businessman's hat and uh, trying to create a marketing strategy, community buy-in, um, as well as developing uh, programs, especially when you have to have people. Um, and so it's been a strategic look at the community, see what's going on, and just comparing that to my experiences in Atlanta, as well as seeing, you know, what's going on in D.C., as well as in New York, um, and uh, and moving towards uh, that, just realizing that again, Philadelphia has a lot of talent, talented individuals, uh, and it's just trying to uh, create a, a platform that uh, that these individuals can showcase uh, their talents and abilities. Is what I've seen thus far. Is usually that comes with a cost. Um, and uh, I realized that, you know, again, as a struggling artist, you might not always have that money to, um, you know, put that up, you know, um, to pay $10, $20 uh, for an event that you may or may not be able to get get a chance to perform. So I really wanted to just create something for the community um, that is uh, we're engaged with each other, we're networking with each other, uh, raising up the issues, uh, the importance of uh, black creativity in a way that's like in your face, like it is in, in New York and Atlanta, where you can just walk down the street and just see it, um, you know, face to face. Right. And just right. feel that energy um, and just create uh, other, you know, places and spaces where it's just, you know, 
um, free flowing that you don't have to pay again like ten twenty dollars just to get in this location, but it's just just boom out in your face. Um, and to uh, offer, offer, offer a platform for aspiring artists, whether it be spoken word, hip-hop, whether you're an instrumentalist uh, or a singer, where you can just have that uh, exposure to get critical feedback, you know, uh, to, you know, whether it be applause or just uh, those experiences to help shape and develop you. I'm fortunate that I've had the church as my, you know, platform. So if the song didn't go well, um, you know, I would know about it as well as the song, if the song went well, you know, I would know about it. Um, and then just to end the night in celebration where we're just having a good time, we're enjoying each other, enjoying just being alive, enjoying our progress and uh, celebrating where we're going. So all that in one event, um, it's free. Um, I have a certain kind of branding, a certain kind of taste that mm-hmm. I was able to uh, contribute. So I was fortunate to meet uh, the individual who owns um, that particular venue, um, OB Blues uh, Over uh, uh, TLO Event Complex. They also have a location there on CCP Moore. And the moment I saw it, I was just like, I knew this was, had to be the spot. Um, for it to uh, take place. And so I'm just grateful, again, to uh, uh, just offer uh, that particular event. So, you know, if you're interested and just kind of want to see what I'm about, what the forefront is about, I have a slew of individuals coming forward, uh, through, um, and we're just going to have a good time, um, mm-hmm. positive energy, and hopefully that will result in something more, um, foundational um, in yeah. uh, the Germantown area as well as just overall. Now, my next question is in reference to the community gala. Is the community gala an event that will take place annually or is it a quarterly event to occur within the year? Um. I haven't I haven't uh, brainstormed it. I think this is a good direction in it being the annual event. Um mm-hmm. and I'm just thinking in terms of cost. Um I'm thinking um, hopefully um I'm actually um and and send positive energy my way. I'm looking at a piece of property here in Germantown. Um oh, with that okay. property I would um I would trans uh, transform it into a, 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 a production a venue. Um, mm-hmm. I think it holds about um, about 1,000 people. Um, and then it has an area in the back where I could do programs and artist development and so many other oh, things. Oh, wonderful. So, um, Excellent. I, I'm really looking, um, I'm looking, you know, for that particular space Um but uh, this particular event, I can see myself doing doing it annually, um, mm-hmm. and just uh, um, just uh, just partnering again. What I realize in the nonprofit world is all about partnerships and collaborations. Um, yeah. But people people can't effectively partner with you if they don't if they don't know what you're really about. Um, cool. And so, I'm fortunate that I've gotten you know, a lot of interest and kind of good feedback in regards to um, 
my um, my marketing strategy, um, and you know, I, if it wasn't for this project, I wouldn't. I it has forced me to learn how to be a photographer. So that's also a, also a part of my uh, on my list of uh, creative expression is uh, um, if you go to my Instagram page, Full Frame Incorporated. So a lot of those visuals I took those actual pictures of, um, and so um, you know people are liking it, people are feeling my brand, um, and you know that's pretty much what I want to do. Just be a part of again shifting culture um, in a way that promotes. Uh, black artistry and black excellence. Excellent. And um, that Germantown area, uh, it seems to be a community that strongly embraces the art. Mm-hmm. Is that one of the uh, reasons for you choosing a property in that area to have your business to have its home base or headquarters? Well, uh, part of that, and then also the historical, the historical um, history, yeah, well, the historical significance of Germantown. Mm-hmm. Um, when you talk about it being, um, you know, uh, a part of the um, uh, I'm having a I'm having a mental block, but just particularly just mm-hmm. in, in regards to just black people and. The, um, under the umbrella of freedom and liberty, mm-hmm. you know, okay. what does that look like mm-hmm. um, in regards to our creativity? Um, right. And um, uh, just the uh, the history of Germantown and just Philadelphia, you know, it being, you know, the former, you know, downtown city city hall, um, that, which is just also missing a part of the... Uh, the conversations when you talk about Philadelphia, Philadelphia's mm-hmm. history. Um, That's true. And, you know, a lot and, of um, and then um, just me, you know, coming to church and just knowing Germantown and being with mm-hmm. my grandmother. We go up to you know coming to Germantown, and um, so it's a, it's definitely a familiar yeah. um, energy. Um, right. And then also just seeing you know what the community needs. You know, a part of the conversation for the community event is, you know, revitalization of gentrification because I think Mm -hmm. it's very unfair. And I'm seeing, you know, when they talked about the Boys and Girls Club, you know, where some people wanted to close down. um, Right. But the fact fact that it has uh, provided a lot of programs for, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, the community. And that the community um, that it serves is permitted for the community of color, and so now we're left at um, you know an interesting conversation within Germantown, which is also a conversation in Philadelphia overall. Is you know why 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 are we having to choose between sh- shutting um, um, between either going to older um, you know, outdated facilities um, or just shutting them down completely? Or what does it look like to pour, to get funding and pour into these places to help renovate, to fix them up? Because these are um, uh, 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 places that have provided services to our community, you know. Right. Even, you know, you know, broke my heart to, 
uh, see Germantown High close down, even though yeah. I'm originally from Benicello. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I remember getting up early one Saturday um, to take my um, ACT test there. Um, right. And so that's how I'm kind of connected in that regard. Mm-hmm. And just to see now is just like this sitting. Um, and I think they talked about turning into like apartments or something like that. So yeah. from yeah. from my mm-hmm. um, from from what I see is it's a it's an opportunity to really start developing art art programs and educational programs um, that not that are based upon creative expression, but also result in um, help and lifestyle choices, you know, economic empowerment, uh, financial literacy. Um, uh, reducing violence, whether it be gun violence or domestic violence, um, mm-hmm. and uh, really just those key components uh, for, particularly for our young people, um, that that and show them how creative expression can uh, really uh, be the change um, or the outlet in your life to to, to usher you into greatness. Yes. Yes, well stated. Yes, indeed. Um, We're seeing how the onslaught of gentrification has displaced many uh, families whom their uh, parents and grandparents and maybe even great-grandparents were residents in that area and other areas within the city. And so when you see a community is going through upheaval in that respect and regard, you can't help but try to think of strategies that are going to impact that community, but in the on the flip side to upbuild it where it's been torn down and where we're seeing it literally dissolving because of, like, urban blight and, of course, gentrification, which is supposed to be progress. But its flip side or downside is that a lot of residents who have been longstanding residents and their parents have been longstanding residents within that community they are experiencing being displaced because now what was once affordable, it's not affordable anymore. So they have to find housing elsewhere. So what can you do? Offer solutions and things like what uh, Mr. Harris has shared. That's a solution to develop a program that targets the males because, you know, the males are, um, they're the ones that carry the generation in their loins to mentor them, to inspire and empower them that this next generation can say, well, we see what happened within the community in the generation before us, but we're, here now, and we can change this. It doesn't have to be a continued peril. 
It's something that can end and we can bring about a new beginning. So I commend you on taking on such a project to mentor our youth and our males. It's so needed. And a part of the feedback, you know, I would give, what about women? You know, anything and I, mm-hmm. and I And I'm like, you know, my response is, you know, I, I tell them, you know, the framework, which we call the crown model, which is to be um, interfaith, intergenerational, inclusive in a way that is impactful and innovative, you know, you know, under just the umbrella of inclusive, you know, we automatically invite, you know, women to... Um, and late young ladies to be a part of the mm-hmm. process. However, you know, when you look at it over, you know, across the board, there are, a lot, there are much more programs That's for true. black women than there are for black men. Yes, so indeed. I wanted to begin to develop programs that, you know, really, uh, you know, you know, uh, that really empower black men. And we automatically think that just giving, um, you know, uh, you know, just how, you know, society is supposed to benefit, you know, men in general. But, you know, when we look at, you know, um, statistically black men and um, black men being the highest on every health uh, Mm -hmm. category, whether it be prostate uh, cancer, whether it be HIV, black men are very much high Mm -hmm. on that. Um, Talk about uh, gun violence. When you talk about uh, cardiovascular disease, um, when you talk about you know mental health challenges and trauma, you know um, you know it's like black men are the highest, and so you know I think it's important for us as a community to really start developing programs and developing uh, places of healing um, that pinpoint you know and even mass incarceration. You know we talk about it, but what are we really doing in regards to institution building um, and providing mm-hmm. uh, places for you know, men who have uh, been, you know, you know, um, just, um, you know, caught up in so many things um, to let them know that, you know, you can use your creativity to live the life that you want, even though uh, your your life has uh, taken this turn or taken that turn. Some of it may have been your fault. Some of it may have not been your fault. That's not important. You can still create use your uh, creativity as it has been given to you by the creator uh, to really live the life that you want to live. And so that's what, that's what I'm, that's what I'm hoping to do with the forward firm. Well, uh, ladies, gentlemen, everyone tuning in, thank you uh, for tuning in during the exclusive interview hour. And we want to say a special thanks to our feature artist in the spotlight, uh, Mr. Daniel Theodore Harris, because he gave us extended time, more than just an hour tonight. And he filled us in as to what his long-term or long-range goals are with the project that he's in pursuit of launching, which is going to be community center and community-based. So I do want to say um, to Mr. Daniel, Theodore Harris at this time, we would like that you would share all contact information so that those who tuned in tonight 
will be able to connect and correspond with you again post tonight's show. And thank you. Um, so you can reach me. I'm on Facebook, uh, The Forward Firm, INC. Um, I'm on Instagram, again, The Forward Firm, INC. Um, uh, my Gmail, uh, my email address is the forward firm, inc at gmail dot com. Um, my uh, business number is two six seven two eight two twelve ninety two. My personal Facebook page is Daniel Theodore Harris, um, and um, you know I'm working on uh, different things like my business plan, my website. Trying to get that up um, on Twitter is simply Forward Firm uh, because the Forward Firm was a little bit too long. Um, but I primarily use Facebook and Instagram. So again, the Forward Firm, INC, um, and you'll be able to reach out to me, send me a direct message, or send me an email. Um, and I'll look forward to a continued engagement with you, Ms. Francine, as well as. Um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, future collaboration to uh, with the listeners um, as we uh, really just uh, seek to create a culture where Black men can define and celebrate their lives. I'm so excited. Yes, we're we're excited as well. We definitely look forward to uh, working on some projects where we can collaborate with you and support your projects as well. We definitely want to promote them. We're going to use the Exceptional Scribble Show fan page to promote the Community Gala, which is upcoming. And everyone, please come out, support, especially if you are a resident in the Germantown section of Philadelphia. And if you reside in this city, do not miss out on being a part of this major event again. The Community Gala is scheduled to take place on September 29th, which is on a Friday from 7 p.m. to 12 a.m. The location is the Victorian Banquet Hall at 4809 Germantown Avenue in Philadelphia, PA. It is a free event, and it is an intergenerational talent showcase party, a community-based event to spread love and positive energy. So, ladies and gentlemen, don't you miss out being a part of something I, bigger than you. And I'm going to let Daniel further describe uh, it. And I, just, and, and, I, and I just want to also say, you know, just don't, don't, don't just roll out of bed and, and come to my event. I want you to look at your best, uh, your best. <laughs> Whatever fashion trends and whatever, you yes. know, just come, be camera ready. Um, okay. You know, um, and uh, I really just look forward to just having a good time. Wonderful. And I do have to say, I for, I forgot that one, um, another aspect of the talentry of Daniel. He is also a photographer, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> among all the other things that. I listed tonight for everybody. So, again, uh, this man is versatile, multifaceted, 
um, and he's still yet evolving. So there's no limit to who he will become. He's not putting himself in a box. And as he said, we're going to dress to impress everyone who's planning to come out. (laughs) I definitely plan to be there, and I'm going to dress to impress. I'm not sure what colors, but I'm going to make sure that (laughs) I do justice this event. Because I know Thank Daniel. So Daniel Daniel don't have step when it comes to fashion, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> He's always in his best attire. So, you know, if I gotta if I'm gonna compliment my brother, I gotta be in my best. So <laughs> I will definitely that. You know. Now, Daniel, if you don't mind, if you could give us a little sample of Daniel the vocalist. I didn't ask oh, wow. before now, but anything that you'd like to uh, sing is fine. If it's short and sweet or if it's a little lengthy, it's okay. We just would like for you to serenade our artists who are tuned in and inspire them. You know, the ones that need to fly, inspire them to fly. Thank you. Okay. Well, I'm going to do my best because I'm a little congested. Um, okay. But I think... Um, you know, one of the most beautiful songs that has ever been written for people of color in the United States is Lift Every Voice and Sing. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to attempt to do that. Um, just a, a little bit of it. i got to find yeah. my feet. Um, Lift every voice and sing Till earth and heaven Bring with the heart of liberty Let our angels Rise high as the listening sky. Let it resound loud as the rolling. Something like that. <laughs> Beautiful, yes. Well, ladies bit. and gentlemen, he he gave us a little sample, just a little bit. But if you want to hear more, you got to come out to the community gala. Are you going to sing there as well? Yeah, I think I'm going to do a little set. Um, okay. I don't know exactly what I'm going to do because you know my music mm-hmm. space is all over the place. But I'm thinking I'm going to do something. A little bit creative because, again, you know, I'm singing with the uh, the Heritage Chorale with Dr. Dun- Donald Dumpson, but I like trap music. <laughs> okay. I'm a church, okay. a church musician, but um, I, I I love jazz, and so um, mm-hmm. and that's also part of my message. You know, as you perfect your class, get out of your comfort zone, learn something yeah, new, yeah, I hear you, learn something foreign, you know. Um, mm-hmm. so all of that, all of that, because you never know at the end of the day who your who your target uh, audience is going to be. 
Um, That's true. So, yeah. So I think I'm going to do a little something just, to, just you know, just to um, create, you know, set the atmosphere. And mm-hmm. um, then I'm going to sit down and have a good time and enjoy laughing. All right. Okay. Wonderful. I'm going to ask Donaldson, are you there? Okay. Uh, yes, I am, but I'm on the train right now. Can you hear me? Oh, okay. Yeah, we we hear you loud and clear. Just wanted to know if maybe you had something to say to Dana before he leaves the uh, podium or platform tonight. He will be back. We're definitely going to have him back. Well, I don't see him. Happy happy tomorrow. Happy Sunday. Happy Saturday. Happy Friday. You know when he comes. <laughs> also, uh, I guess uh, you know. I don't really have an opinion. I just think that it's good that Sage has people on their show and that are interesting enough to have, you know, to listen to. And uh, yeah, just thanks for coming on to Sage's show and being so um, yeah, gentle and polite. And good luck, sir. Thank you so much. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you again, Daniel. And I am looking forward to our next time having you back on the show's panel. And we will definitely help with promoting the community gala, and we will and I'm definitely. definitely I, and I'm definitely looking forward to your event on the thirtieth. Oh yes, yeah. yes. Please uh, support, come out, invite others, and we are honored to have you come out and be a part of that as well. Thank you again. <laughs> thank you. Well, peace and blessings, and we are so excited about what the future has in store for this bright star because truly Daniel is just that in the universe. And we are blessed that he is so thoughtful of his community and he is not going to pass his community by as he continues to shine his light. Um, We speak blessings on you in terms of the uh, pursuit of the property that you have in mind as uh, owning and having for the headquarters of a part of your business. And we know it's a good decision to be made. And we're just speaking that all who can support will support. And we will definitely put you um, into the hearts and minds of others whom are looking to support works and projects such as yours, we will definitely make certain that they are aware of you. And thank you for sharing your dream as well. Thank you. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Now, if you would like to stay on the line, it's um, still open where you can stay on and hear uh, free publishing tips. That's the next hour. We're going into the co-host of the show, uh, Warriorist Queens of Pora Thelman. This is the hour that she is lead facilitator, and she's going to provide us with free publishing tips, and she's going to read some uh, resource information from a variety of various sources and articles um, for our enrichment so that we can know the things that we need to know so we can fare well for those that are pursuing uh, having their literary 
works published. Okay, so Queen Zipporah, welcome, Warriorists. Queen. Thank you, Duchess Francine. How is everyone tonight? <clears throat> I'm well. Anyone else want to answer? <laughs> Well, I guess everyone's well. <laughs> All in favor, say aye. <laughs> All right. Well, Warriors Queens of Thelman, the mic is now in your hands. And ladies and gentlemen, again, this is the co-host of the Exceptional Scribble Show, and this is now the free publishing tips hour. All right. Thank you again, Duchess Brandt, and good evening, everyone. I am. Warriors Queens of Porra Thelman for Exceptional Scribble, episode 181, Tuesday, September 19, 2017. And I have a lot of useful information to share. So first, I'm going to start with my writing advice and discoveries, which are four pieces in the following. Number one, story is plot, settings, and characters. Number two, writing requires a lot of thinking. Number three, writing stories that you want published is sending a connecting message to the matching publisher. And number four, let ideas fit where they belong in stories. Okay. Now, if you can just read the first and second again for everyone, and then we'll see if anybody has any questions or maybe even comments to share. Thank you. All right. Number one, story is plot, settings, and characters. And number two, writing requires a lot of thinking. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to ask, does anyone have any questions or comments about information that was just shared? Donaldson? Daniel? Okay, so, okay. Uh, Daniel, did you have any questions or comments about the information shared? Um, no, not really. Okay. Well, Sephora, you can continue on. All right. The next two pieces of information that I'm reading are replies from two rejected agents excuse me, two rejected agents, um, agents' invitations for future stories. So the first one is from Victoria A. Savaggio, at, associate agent at the Jennifer De Chiara Literary Agency in New York. So she writes, Dear Zipporah, thank you for the interest in the Jennifer De Chiara Literary Agency. I do apologize for the delayed response due to my personalized letters it does take me a long time to review every query and manuscript that I receive. As of September the 2nd, 2016, my procedure for responding has been, excuse me, has 
changed. While I wish that I could continue my personalized letters, submissions have increased, making it almost impossible to respond in a timely manner, hence the lateness of this. Now, this was dated from, which I had sent on July the 7th of 2015. My new procedure is below. I will personally respond to any queries with the correct heading we'll be giving to you in the subject line of the email received from my request, offers from another offering agent or publication offer, conferences, workshops, retreats, other events, contests if a request has been made, interviews, selective. All other queries will receive a form letter with a brief comment on why I'm passing. I thank you for your understanding and patience. Regarding your submission, while there's much to like, I'm afraid I'm not connecting enough emotionally to your characters, which ultimately means I'm not connecting enough with the content of your story. As this is a subjective process, I do encourage you to continue honing your craft as you submit to other agents and editors. I also encourage more feedback from agents and editors before delving into extensive revisions. One rejection from me is not a rejection on future manuscripts. And if you decide to submit again, please put, quote, second query, end quote, in the subject line. As noted, I've updated my submissions as procedure, and the time of my response has improved drastically. Thank you again for sharing this with me. All my best, Victoria A. Silvaggio, Associate Agent, the Jennifer DeChiara Literary Agency. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very good. Thanks for sharing that. Um, can you just give a little background information, um, Warrioress Queens of Port Thelman, about the genre of writing that you produce and uh, a little information about the style of writing that you own? And thank you. Sure. You're welcome. Uh, uh, Duchess Fran, yes. So the genre that I write is urban fantasy. It's a subgenre of fantasy. And my story, can I tell about, you know, just a summary of what it's mm-hmm. about? Yes, you may. All right, my, all right. My story is about a resurrected North American mythical demon that used psychological warfare to make evil on Earth. Mm-hmm. Now, in reference to the query letter, and I had you to share that information just in case someone might have been curious to know, well, what genre of writing is her manuscript? And, you know, um, what is her style? Because a lot of times when we submit our manuscripts for approval and when we submit a query letter, um, we need to be specific in that order, we need to make certain that the submission denotes whatever the genre of our writing is, and it's easily detected. And also, in reference to the style, it's important because for certain genres, um, there's certain styles that are preferred by potential agents and so forth. So if you can kind of touch on that um, aspect in in writing and submitting a manuscript, Queen Dupur, because, you know, a poet um, 
and a poet's voice may not be what this particular agency is looking for in terms of signing on uh, new writers. Maybe they're not looking for poetry or a poet voice in terms of the style of the writing or narrative of the writing. So if they're looking for the urban urban fantasy that is not urban fiction because there's a difference, right. then, you know, people that are considering submitting manuscripts to the agency that you're referring to, um, they need to know what are they looking for right now, what kinds of writings or, or what genre of writing are they looking to publish right now? Uh, well, right now... You have to read agents that you know are you know, uh, that want to you know represent you know all kinds of genres. Now, when I had specified about mine being urban fantasy, it would be listed under sci-fi slash fantasy, which is the genre. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so I understand that there are you know most the majority of agents say well we don't we don't represent poetry or screenplays or mm-hmm. stage plays. Right, so you have to read and find what they're looking for. Like if it's women's fiction or children's fiction, like middle grade. Now, this, um, the second thing I want to touch on was for the talk about is the audience. Now, mm-hmm. the, or the, uh, the readers. Now, my reading group, you know, age group would be new adult, which is 18 and 25 year olds. I mean, okay. they're just you know starting life, you know, with, you know starting out with the first job or you know or getting into college, etc. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very good. Mhm. And that's and very significant. Mhm. All right, go ahead. That's very significant because yeah. who your target audience mm-hmm. is, um, you know, you need to be well aware of the demographics mm-hmm. when you're referring to location. If you want to have your book to launch in bookstores within the inner city, then you need to be well aware of, okay, who resides in the inner city? Um, who are the reading, the readers, or the, the group that's pro-literacy within the inner city? Maybe they're the baby boom generation and not the millennials, or maybe they are the millennial. But you have to do that research yeah. to learn that and find out. And also, you can scout. Just hang around bookstores. Yeah. Hang around campuses. Hang around... Um, someone was sharing with me the SEPTA stops and, and see who's reading what genre of literature and kind of do your own analysis. Uh, talk yeah. to people. Do interviews, kind of impromptu interviews. Where in your walks, you take and canvas a certain section of the city and you interact. You go into the beauty shops, the barber shops, the cafes. Find out what, what are people reading, what genre in this particular area. And then you know who, who to target with what your manuscript has to say. Who, who is your, but that's important even when you're submitting that query letter to be able to uh, state that in words. You know, my target audience is this particular group. However, I want to appeal to this group 
and see what can be uh, done about that. Yes, and uh, I also want to thank you, Duchess Fran. I also want to add is that you know, regarding the new adult group, 18 to 25-year-olds, my mm-hmm. characters, you know, they're, you know, ranging from those ages. Now, not only do mm-hmm. I have those ages like, and also and beyond, but also younger, you know, like children, you know, and so, you know, they, but that's the, you know, target audience. And I also recommend writing in the beginning of your query letter after you say, I am seeking representation for my books and my manuscripts title, and then you put my, um, the, the word count, and then I put, for example, new adult, you know, urban fantasy. Now, mm-hmm. when I say urban, it means, you know, a fantasy is set in the city. Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. All right. All right, now I'm moving on, and mm-hmm. here's the second um, query for um uh, second rejected agent's um, invitation for future stories. And this one is from the Knight Agency. Thank you so much for allowing our agency to consider your material. Excuse me. Unfortunately, after carefully reviewing your query, we've determined that this particular project isn't the right fit for our agency at this time. As I'm sure you know, the publishing industry changes swiftly now as do readers of tastes and trends. As a result, our own agencies' needs shift and change as well. Therefore, we would like to encourage you to consider querying us with future projects as you may deem appropriate. Again, thank you very much for allowing us this chance to consider your material, and we wish you all the best in your publishing endeavors. Sincerely, Christy Hunter. Now, the Knight Agency represents N.K. Jemison, who is you know, last week I talked about she was the black science fiction slash fantasy author of the Broken Stone Trilogy. Okay. And I also want to, you know, comment on, you know, regarding, like, who's reading what. The story, the, the, um, the important thing is you write the story that you like and then you submit it to the agents that will represent it. Because, there, you know, there's a book for everybody to read. That's right. True. Mm-hmm. Does anyone have any questions, anyone on the call at this time? If you have any questions about any of the information disclosed or if you have any comments, any information you'd like to share and add that would prove beneficial to this discourse at this moment, feel free to share. Thank you. Okay, Zipporah, you can continue on. All right, thank you again, Dr. Spran. Now I have the next, let's see, one, two, three. The next three articles to read. All right, the first one is titled Writing a Meaningful Story by James Scott Bell. Most writers are not content merely to write a good story. They want to, quote, say something, end quote. This is not a bad impulse. We are awash in a culture of the trivial and trite, which means a uh, trite means of a remark, opinion, or idea, overused and consequently of little import, lacking originality or freshness. It is the writer's job to stand out, excuse me, to stand against that and to stand for something. As one famous novelist said, quote, a writer should have something on his mind, end quote. That something Mm -hmm. is usually called the theme of a story. 
I think that term is too academic and confusing. I like meaning better. Meaning is the, quote, big idea, end quote. It is the moral message that comes through at the end. And all great stories have one. But how do you incorporate a theme without sound and preaching? There is one simple rule. Characters come before meaning. Always develop your characters first, your hero and your villain, your support and cast and crew, and then set them in the story, story world where their values will conflict with each other. Write your story and watch your characters struggle. Make the story vivid and real. Yes, you can have a meaning or theme in mind, but make it as wispy as a butterfly wing at first. Build up your characters around that wing, and eventually the story itself will take flight. As you write, you'll see the meaning of your story emerge like the faint glow of a miner's lamp as he enters the darkness of a shaft. The reason you'll see it is that your characters will be living it, and in doing so, your characters will be revealing who you are and what you believe, but they'll be doing it in the story, not in the sermon. You may even find the meaning has changed from what you originally thought it was. Great. That is what art does. It grows and changes. So don't worry about meaning or theme up front. Worry about struggle. Give your characters humanity and then passionate commitment to a set of values. Set them in conflict, and as they fight, the meaning will become evident. Sometimes what emerges may surprise you. That's when writing becomes a wondrous act of self-revelation. You'll be learning about who you are on a deeper level. Growth will become the meaning of your own life, and that's an exciting thing for anyone. The end of this article. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's important information shared. Warriors, Queens of Port Thelman, and... I'm going to ask Donaldson. Donaldson, do you have anything you'd like to add to the discussion or any questions? Okay, I guess he has no comments or questions at the moment. So, uh, Zipporah, you can continue. All right. So the article, excuse me, the website for this article that I just read, Writing a Meaningful Story by James Scott Bell, the website is http colon two forward slashes www.writeriht-writing.com forward slash meaningful dot html. All right, moving on. My second article is titled, So You Want to Work in Publishing, The Role of a Publicist. This was dated August the 30th, 2017. For aspiring authors everywhere, getting a publishing deal is a dream come true. They've slaved away at at their manuscript to find that someone else also believes in their dream and wants to help it come to fruition, which means the point at which a plan or project is realized. Beyond this crucial goal, there is often a shroud of mystery surrounding the process for the path to publication, and it has been my pleasure 
throughout my career to be a part of many steps an author takes on this journey. But what about those of us that love books but perhaps do not want to write them? How can we work around literature and engage in an industry that may that many many do not understand very well? Mm-hmm. This is a guest post. Yeah. <clears throat> this is a guest post by Sarah Weigel, spelled W like Will, I G A L. Weigel began her literary career peddling her original illustrated stories at age six to her parents' patient co-workers. She studied literature at the University of California, San Diego, as an undergraduate and went on to receive her MA in writing, literature, and publishing at Emerson College. She's worked on the agent side and publishing houses and with private publicity firms, and she brings her varied perspectives about all aspects of an author's writing career to the team at JKS as a senior publicist. A friend to writers both personally and professionally, she enjoys reading most genres and loves channeling her creativity to spread the news about each wonderful book she encounters. Authors are inspired by her ideas and high-octane energy. As a college student studying literature and a lifelong avid reader, I was always asked whether I wanted to be an English teacher, no, a journalist, no, or a novelist, no. I knew I loved reading books and writing essays for my major, but beyond that, I really had no idea what shape my career might someday take. I didn't know the publishing industry even existed, frankly, and had never heard about how books came to be other than through the grit of each individual author. The network of supporting roles wasn't glamorized to me, and I simply had no knowledge about what was out there. In the last quarter of my college career, I was lucky to have had an academic internship with Writer's House, a prestigious literary agency I had never heard of before. And Stephanie Myers, Writer's House represents Stephanie Myers. Working at an agency, I learned that querying an agent to find someone to represent him or her, the publishing houses was often the first step for many writers seeking a traditional publishing deal. When I joyously shared my newfound career path, of course, I would be an agent too one day. My friends asked me if I was a book editor. No, I would respond, I work for a literary agency. This should have been my first clue that no one has any idea what any job titles are other than editor in the publishing universe. After all, I hadn't known either. Agents definitely do edit manuscripts. Their job is to work with the authors to create the best possible version of a draft to showcase the editors at various publishing houses who will then present the author with a contract to publish their book. Then the agent negotiates that contract and advocates for its best implementation. I loved my time on the agency side and was honored to work on many books that have become bestsellers. When my internship ran its due course, I worked for a small arts magazine publisher, and this time I really was an editor. I realized quickly that magazine editing was not for me. Long days writing and rewriting, choosing my writing assignments with good sales in mind, tweaking text, and checking for formatting issues, it rings a lot of people's bells, but not mine. But when asked what my job was, people seemed to understand my job title at least. I moved aside, excuse me, I moved along to work on my master's in writing, literature, and publishing at Emerson College, 
where I could create publishing industry contacts and learn more about the various aspects of this befuddling, which means make someone unable to think clearly, industry that created the books I so loved being around. I was a magazine editor yet again as part of my graduate work study and enjoyed this job much more, so I knew it still was not for me. I began interning with a major publisher in their children's book marketing and publicity department and found my niche, found my niche, which is a comfortable or suitable position in life or employment. Working with authors to cement their brand identities, communicating with the news media and designing fun, supporting materials to catch the eyes of consumers and reviewers made my heart sing. I knew I loved agent work, but here was something else that was equally fun and still I was not an editor. I had an opportunity to become a literary radio publicist while I was in school working with open book publicity for many years, scheduling radio tours for authors. As a publicist, I crystallized my job description to what I firmly believe is the point of the job, to tell people about wonderful books. As a niche media publicist, I began forming relationships with radio producers and hosts feeding them guests for their shows to entertain the masses and spread the good news about books to come. I had many conversations with friends and family who introduced me as a book editor, which, as we all now know, is the only publishing job title people know about. I am now a comprehensive media literary publicist, which means that I work with all forms of the media to attract coverage for my clients, and they've gotten the agent accepted excuse me, after they've gotten the agent, accepted a publishing deal, worked with their actual book editor to finish revising the book, and it's going to print, that's where the publicity team comes in. At the firm, I am now a senior publicist at JKS Communications. We hand tailor our campaigns for each author. Some want to do lots of bookstore events on top of radio interviews, TV coverage, and online and print media attention. Some of us come for assistance with their brand or digital marketing needs, like running Facebook ads. So others come to us because they want to independently publish their book. They are embracing the growing sector of indie authors who have foregone, which means gone without, the traditional route with an agent and publishing deal in order to connect with their fans directly. My day-to-day varies dramatically depending on who my clients are and what stage of their campaign we are in. I stay engaged and keep boredom at bay by learning the author and his or her work, writing press kits, designing media tours, and choosing which contacts I will approach in hopes of gaining coverage, following up with these outlets, attending conference, assisting in acquiring new clients, planning creative projects like unique postcards and special book theme swag, and so many other dynamic tasks. It's public relations, but specialized to a literary client base, and it's challenging and rewarding every day. My career arc has brought me, excuse me, has brought me firmly into an area I love, and it didn't require me to be either an editor or an author. If you are thinking about entering the industry, some of the jobs you might consider include agent, editor, marketing associate, publicist, human resource representative, publisher, sales representative, graphic designer, art director, accountant, web developer, copyright associate, 
inventory manager, audiobook narrator, bookseller, the list goes on. The publishing industry has roles similar to those of most major types of companies and needs for many different skill sets beyond being an author or editor. So if you love books and want to work with them, you can do so in many of these, quote, support and end quote roles that are satisfying careers for book lovers all over. The end of this article. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts about the article overall? Well, I would say they it, uh, it introduced me to the publishing industry. Mm-hmm. Would you say that this is a must-read for first-time, uh, soon-to-be published authors? Yes, I highly recommend it. Is because you're going mm-hmm. to learn who's who, you know, just on your team. I agree. Um, how about veteran writers? Would you say this is a good article for them to read and to maybe remark, give remarks to? Yes, uh, I would so, say this article. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I, I was just wondering more so for them veteran writers to give remarks rather than just to reference. Yeah, I'd say for veteran authors, it would be a reinforcement, you know, for mm-hmm. them because the publishing, you know, excuse me, the publishing industry has changed, you know, since, you know, they've been writing. Mm-hmm. But you yeah, have some veteran still, writers that are still, you know, they never stop. They publish right. books every year. Mm-hmm. So a lot of what their feedback will be in response to reading that article, I think will be good, like if the article writer had a blog mm-hmm. and the veteran writer could blog responses to having read the article where they can also share insight because they've been writing yeah. for a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the same thing, mm-hmm. you know, you and I were talking about, we was just calling it, you know, in different, you know, words. I call it, you know, a reinforcement. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, because I'm sure... They've seen a lot of changes, you know, yeah. and especially if they keep writing. You know, there's some that they don't take a sabbatical. They don't take seven years off. Mm-hmm. Um, they write a book every one to two years or some mm-hmm. every every year they All have right. something new written. So we definitely encourage writing. We don't discourage it. We know that writer's block is a reality but we're not endorsing it on this platform. Mm -hmm. So it's not that we don't believe it exists or we don't believe it is real, but we're not endorsing it. We don't promote it. We encourage writing. Even if you're just writing a three-line, just a three-sentence words, that are reflecting what your day was like in a daily journal. Just write every day. Mm -hmm. Because if you write every day, uh, the chances of you suffering from writer's block are slim. Mm -hmm. Because when you do something every day, it becomes habit. Mm -hmm. And your mind, remember, your brain is like a muscle. 
So if you keep moving it in a certain direction, if you keep channeling your thoughts or your think, your thinking patterns and processing in a certain order, they're more likely to keep going in that direction. So you don't want to start and stop, start and stop. Just say, okay, in my journal today, I'm going to write about things that made me happy. My journal tomorrow, I'm going to write about things that made me unhappy. Like, think of a theme every day. In my journal Wednesday, I'm going to write about my favorite thing to do. What was my favorite thing to do today? And why did it make me happy or feel good or whatever? So you have to keep it interesting, even journals, journal entries. If you keep journal entries current about your current um, things that are happening that are current, even your emotions that are current, um, you kind of make a writing process like breathing is to you. It becomes essential. And it's no more like a hobby or a thing to do, like a, a task, but it's a must. Thing. Like, you can't have your day completed without doing it. It's like breathing. If you stop breathing, you know what's going to happen mm-hmm. like that. So make it essential. Make it relevant. Keep it current. Queen, Warriors Queen. The mic is returning to your hand. All right. Thank you, Duchess Fran. Mm -hmm. And I have the final article, also from writersdigest.com, and it's titled 13 Lessons from an Epic Book Tour, dated September 15, 2017. Months before my book, Tides, The Science and Spirit of the Ocean, came out, I teamed with several publicists to build a 12-month 100-event tour. Yes, 100. We targeted the coastal regions of North America, including Canada and Alaska. We booked events at universities, bookstores, grammar schools, breweries, museums, aquariums, libraries, Audubon societies, surf shops, outdoor stores, L.L. Bean, REI, land trusts, literary conferences and festivals, science centers, and specialties clubs. Yak Clubs, Book Clubs, and the Explorers Club. The tour was shaped, of course, by the fact that my book is nonfiction and about the ocean. None of the publishing professionals I worked with had seen a tour this large or even close. They thought I was crazy. It's now August. The book has been out six months, and I've given 75 talks in about 60 cities and towns. Here are 13 things I've learned. This guest post is by Jonathan White. White is the author of Tides, the Science and Spirit of the Ocean. He is an active marine conservationist, a sailor, and a surfer. His first book, Talking on the Water, Conversations About Nature and Creativity, is a collection of interviews exploring our relationship with nature and features 
Gretzel Ehrlich, David Brower, Ursula K. L. Gwen, I mean L. Gwen, Gary Snyder, Peter Matheson, Matheson, and others. White has written for the Christian Science Monitor, the Sun Orient Surfers Journal, and other publications. He holds an MFA, which is a Master in Fine Arts, in Creative Nonfiction, and lives with his wife and son on a small island in Washington State. For more information, please visit http colon two forward slashes jonathanwhitewriter.com and follow Jonathan on Facebook and Twitter. Number one, events drive media, media drives sales. The speaking event itself is important, but what happens around it is even more important. My publicist often describes events as, quote, anchoring, end quote, because they're the foundation on which media attention is built. Even if your event itself draws a small audience, hundreds of people, maybe thousands or tens of thousands, will learn about your book through event-driven media, radio, newspaper, or TV. The event is the pebble thrown into the pond. Number two, plan ahead. Many of the best speakers series are planned six or eight months in advance. If you get in early, you'll have more flexibility in scheduling. Be open and persistent. Sometimes good things take a long time to happen and sometimes they don't. Don't force it. Your event will be more successful if the organizers are excited about having you and claim full ownership for it. Number three, find good partners. If you schedule events with groups that have well-established and well-attended speaker programs, they'll have nice venues, good tech support, and an ability and willingness to spread the word. Don't be your own producer or schedule with a group that hasn't done this before. Some groups are nationwide, like the Audubon Society, so once you get in with one, the door opens to others. Yeah. Some of my best... Some of my best events involved multiple partners. In Port Angeles, Washington, for example, we encouraged a local bookstore to partner with the library, college, local center, local science center, excuse me, and the National Oceanographic and Atmospheric Administration, NOAA. We got lots of publicity, and 100 people turned out for the talk. <clears throat> excuse me. One organization takes the lead. The rest help spread the word. They get their name on it, which should make them happy. Another good partner was the Nature Conservancy of Canada, <clears throat> who sponsored four great events in Nova Scotia and New Brunswick around the Bay of Fundy. The events were scheduled, catered, and well-publicized by the NCC. Number four, the Goldilocks scenario. Medium-sized cities are often easier to book an event get media attention, and attract a good-sized audience. In the big cities, you're competing with many other worthy events. We scheduled talks in most of the major coastal cities, L.A., Seattle, Boston, New York, D.C., etc., but had some of our most successful events in mid-sized towns like Port Townsend, Washington, Astoria, Oregon, and Santa Barbara, California on the West Coast, and Camden, M.E., which is Maine, Booth Bay, Maine, Woods Hole, Maine, and Martha's Vineyard, Maine, on the East Coast. This doesn't mean you should focus only on mid-sized and smaller towns. It's not either slash or, it's both slash and. 
Number five, midweek evenings are the sweet spot. Weekend or day events tend to draw smaller crowds. Number six, universities, no. Bookstores, maybe. If your goal is to sell books and get the word out, I recommend staying away from universities. The audiences are usually small, less attentive, and made up mostly of students who don't have the money to buy books nor the time to read outside their assigned text. Bookstores are a natural, but your event will almost certainly be scheduled during business hours, which can be distracting to both you and your audience. Additionally, bookstores tend to schedule a lot of author events, which means yours will not get special attention by either the bookstore staff or the media. The good thing about a bookstore event, however, is it allows you to meet the staff. If they like you, they'll recommend your book. Number seven, intangible matters too. Intangibles are, are, which means unable to be touched or grasped, not having physical presence. I agreed to give a talk at the Library of Congress because, well, an author just doesn't say no to that. I flew to L.A. to be on a panel exploring, quote, memoir and travel, end quote, with Mark Kalansky at the L.A. Times' Book Festival. I think I sold three books, but I wouldn't trade the experience for anything. And for a favor and because I like kids, I agreed to meet with 80 grammar school kids in Santa Cruz. Number eight, you'll pay literally. Don't expect anyone to care as much about your book as you do. And don't expect anyone to work as hard as you will for free. You won't get paid for giving talks. Occasionally, you'll receive a token $100 or $200 and most publishers have limited funds to support a tour. Number nine, treat your presentation seriously. Develop it with the same care you gave your book. Keep it to 35 to 40, keep it to 35 to 40 minutes and allow time for questions afterwards. Memorize it. Read from the book for no more than five minutes. Don't give, away, don't give everything away. Leave them wanting more. Send a suggested script for your introduction, as well as a press kit with links and photos for the venue to use for advertising. If you have technical needs, I have images and a short video. Bring a kit of connectors that will allow you to plug into any system and show up an hour early for testing. I even brought my own speaker, small but powerful, that saved me many times. Mm. Number 10. <clears throat> Number 10. Sometimes you're lucky and sometimes you're not. Luck has many dimensions and it always plays a role. A blizzard blew up on the eve of my talk at the Harvard bookstore. Only 15 people showed up. At Providence Library, Rhode Island, my event landed on the first sunny day of spring. It was my smallest audience, nine. On the other hand, the Oregonian printed a review two days before my talk at the Oregon Museum of Science and Industry, and I was interviewed on NPR the day of. We sold out the 320-seat theater and turned away 70. Every author has a story of reading to an audience of one or two. It happens. Don't fret or judge. See the big picture. Do your job. And setting up my tour, we aim for audiences of 50 or more. In the end, we ranged them. Um, Excuse me, we range from 9 to 320 with an average of 70. One advantage of having lots of events is that you're less inclined to get attached to the success or failure 
of any one of them. Number 11, booksellers and books sold. Don't handle books yourself if possible. Have a local bookstore do it. You have enough to do. So far, actual book sales have varied wildly from event to event with no apparent reason. Sometimes 10% of the audience bought them and sometimes 100% with an average of about 25%. Remember, there will be couples excuse me, in the audience who will buy just one if they buy it all. Book sales tend to begin a couple weeks prior to an event, assuming there's publicity, and continue for a couple weeks after, so total books sold for each appearance could be double or triple what you sell at the event itself. Number 12, drink water. Swim at the YMCA. Touring is tough on the mind and body. It's a workshop, a marathon. If you care about what you eat and drink, and if you thrive on exercise as I do, the road is especially challenging. I drink lots of water, especially when I'm on a plane. I also try to drink less alcohol generally and take walks and swim at the YMCA. They saved me. And number 13, why tour at all? When a new book is released, authors traditionally embark on a 10 to 15 event tour covering four to six major cities. With the growth of social media, where you can reach thousands of people at a key tap, some say tours are a thing of the past. My experience is otherwise. The key tap approach is important, but there's nothing more valuable than engaging with people face-to-face, especially about a subject you and they care about. The results of even the briefest encounter can be surprising and far-reaching. Almost every author I know complains about how little their publisher did to promote their book. My experience with my first book, Talking on the Water, was so disappointed that I decided to hire an independent publicist for this one. My rationale, which means a set of reasons or a logical basis for a course of action or particular belief. My rationale was this. If I was going to spend seven years researching and writing this book, I wanted a publicity effort to match. From the start, I vowed that I would leave no crumbs of regret on the table, either in the writing or in the promotion. By year's end, I'll have spent a lot of money and been away from home about 120 days, but I've left no crumbs. The end of this article. Mm. Very good. Wow. A lot of good information shared, even as for book tours, how many uh, events, I believe, was it 16 mm-hmm. yeah. that was listed yeah. it to be 16 or how, and is it six different states or cities, six Let me different locations? That. Yeah, mm-hmm. please read that section. Very good information. All right. Yeah, thank you. Whereas in the beginning, I teamed with several publicists to build a 12-month, 100-event tour. Mm-hmm. And he's given, let's see, it's now August. The book has been out about has been out six months, and I've given 75 talks in about 60 cities and towns. <clears throat> I don't know why that doesn't seem like the part I was referencing. Um, I spoke about now. Did he said sixty different cities and towns? Yes. 
60 cities and towns. And yes. a 100 event tour that he invites. Now, the yeah. part where he advises is that at the end of the article about how right. much, um, as for the tour, how many place, places one should visit and so forth. Yeah, this was, uh, you know, at the end of a yes. My rationale was this. If I oh, was okay, then that was yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, that's important because a book tour should follow the launch. Mm-hmm. of your book, but also yeah. prior to your book's launch, you could also have what's referenced uh, to be a pre-launch. Um, you can have a pre-launch uh, party where you announce when your book will be released. Mm-hmm. Um, you can have a pre-launch gala Gala, and it can be like a fundraiser, actually, mm-hmm. to help you to accumulate the funds that you'll need to have a successful tour campaign because it's going to cost money for you to have ads mm-hmm. and papers or magazines and so forth and to right. even buy posters or to have postcards sent out, put in mailboxes and so forth, and to have people even to drop off. Um, bulletins and flyers and at places of, you know, different businesses. So you want to think and be creative. And yeah. um, you may decide you want to have a tea, a high tea as a fundraiser. Maybe your book caters to females mm-hmm. and women. You want to have a high tea as a fundraising event that's a pre-book launch, book mm-hmm. tour event. So, you know, just be creative. Think Mm -hmm. outside the box. Think of who you're catering to and think of uh, things you can do that relate to the book even. Maybe you want to have a theme party. Maybe your book Mm -hmm. is based on a particular era and a particular um, event that occurred during a particular era. So you have people dress up as the people dressed in that particular era. Yeah. Or in that particular was, town, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is Warriors, Queens of Poor. And I was going to add, too, is uh, in the article where Jonathan, you know, was uh, like the different places that he had toured, they were connected, mm-hmm. you know, to the theme of his book. And he said he wrote about with the ocean. Mm-hmm. So were the places that he had been. So that's another, you know, part when you had mentioned theme, you know, there's the connection. Yeah, theme. You know, besides the like bookstores, you know, you can go to museums or Restaurant, mm-hmm. whatever you know, the theme that's you know what your book is about. That's right. I mean, if it's about um, the beach. Then hey, by all means, have a beach soiree, <laughs> a beach mm-hmm. party. Everybody, come out. Wear your beach attire. <laughs> yeah, hey, and you get your autograph signed copy, and you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he should, but, uh, and Johnson should have had a tour at a gym because he talked about, you know, going swimming at the YMCA. That's right. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like that, too. Hey, mm-hmm. why not? <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But these are choices, yeah. ideas, mm-hmm. options. We just want you to have them, ladies and gentlemen, those tuning in. We have a caller. Welcome, caller from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. 
Hello, how you doing? Hi, fine, thank you. And please give your name. I'm Mother Six. Okay, you're who? I'm sorry. I am Mother of Six. Oh, Mother of Six. Hi. (laughs) Welcome. It is a pleasure. Yes, indeed. How you doing? Good, good. We're, um... We've been on the free publishing tips hour at this time, and the co-host, uh, Warriors Queen, Deport Thelma, she's been lead facilitator, and she was sharing an article, and some of the information in the article was about uh, launching a book tour and how it should be done, you know, what strategy is a good one uh, to undertake. So if you have any questions, about publishing or even about uh, how to launch a successful book tour, uh, feel free uh, to direct them at this time to Warriors Queen. Or if you just want to call in and just maybe read a poem or something, uh, you're welcome to do that as well. Well, unfortunately, I have not published. And um, my life has got so crazy. I haven't really even written in a while, so I'm not the one to oh, okay. give feedback for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did do a little, like, little piece, and it's very short. It was just how I felt. So right. I'll share it. <laughs> sure, sure. We'd love to hear it, and uh, we'll give some feedback in response okay. to hearing it. Thank you. The mic is now in your hand. My Mother of six. <laughs> This piece is called, He Was My Friend. Mm-hmm. He, he was my friend before he became my friend. He was the friend I was happy to see arriving, but now he is that friend whose business are based on cheating and conniving. He was my friend. He was my friend, but I used to wonder what are his thoughts of me going through his head. But now when I see my friends, my only thought of him and I is making love in my bed. He was my friend minus the Netflix and chill. He was my shoulder to lean on, and he was all and he always kept things real. So he and I had a vow that our bind would never end, but that was long before my friend became my friend. And that's my piece. Wow. Oh my. Mm-hmm. I'm listening, and that's definitely, wow, what a story line in general. A lot of emotion there. And also, um, it kind of has a rhythmic flow to it. Like, it could be come words to a song. It has that potential. Okay. <laughs> and I love, I love that it's, it's discreet. You're not telling too much information. You're saying just enough to paint that picture, to give the mind's eye that portrait of what you're sharing. And it's detailed, but it's discreet. I love that. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) You are welcome. You're welcome. Zipporah, what would you like to share about that piece? Well, um, it was really, well, it was short, and I agree with you, Duchess Fran, about her keeping it to the point. 
mm-hmm. and you know the way that she was there, you know describing you could follow along you know especially yeah. he was my friend you know and the things that he did and you're wondering you know he was my friend and then you're wondering all right how and then mm-hmm. she described it and so yeah. Then he became my friend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Yeah, how you emphasize at the end. You know, he's my friend. That is my friend. You know, it's like wow. It's it it get, it gives emphasis and it helps to make that impact. The word play that you use very very clever, very skillful. Impactful, yes, indeed. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate that that piece. And just curious, is this a piece that will be a part of a collection of poems in a book? Oh, I have a collection. I'm. I, I mm-hmm. just have to dust that pen off, and you know, <laughs> okay. put it to paper again. That's all. But right, yeah, I'm, right. Um, I actually have, I think, about maybe 40 pieces now, but I just wanted mm-hmm. to um, add a little more, I guess. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I think that you could really do, um, what are they called? Are they vignettes, Zipporah? Are they called vignettes, like those short stories? Um, wait, you're asking what, what are vignettes? Yeah, would they be called vignettes? Like that poem could be like a precursor of a collection of vignettes. Let me look up vignettes. Yeah, because I think they're like, it's like shorter versions of a story. You know, it it has all all the parts that a story has, but they're not long and lengthy. They're straight right, to the point, what? clear and yeah. concise. There might be novellas. Yeah, there might be novellas, but here's what I Yeah, that's about. okay. Vignette. Or not, okay. Yeah, maybe so that. is, yeah, has two meanings for vignettes. One is a brief, evocative description, account, or episode. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. And the second is a small illustration of portrait photograph that fades into its background without a definite border. Now, novellas, hmm. you know, they are, you know, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So the novella is the actual story, like a, a full story. It's just brief. Yeah. Oh, or then, mm-hmm. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, she could definitely okay. do those really it's good. A, a novella, and, yeah. An epic novella, one, you it, know? Mm-hmm. Epic yeah. one. Yeah, Duchess Fran. Yeah, I found the definition for novella. A novella mm-hmm. is a text of written fictional narrative prose normally longer than a short story, but shorter than a novel. Oh, okay. So it'll be mm-hmm. longer than a short story. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. All right. Yeah, and, uh, she definitely could could do that. Mm-hmm. Very powerful epic mm-hmm. uh, writing with that poem. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, You're welcome. Good night. Mm-hmm. Yes, you look on uh, all right, um I'm done for the uh the publishing tips hour and I would like oh, to okay. go into, you know, a next, you know, category. Oh, okay, sure. Go right on the head. And if 
um, Mother of Six, if you have any questions, feel free to ask them, and we'll go into our open mic poetry in about 15 more minutes. Okay, that's fine. I'll be here. Maybe okay. I'll give you another piece. All right. Yes, indeed. We definitely want that. Thank you. My pleasure. All right. The next category is continuation of anti-Trump art warriors resistance. And the first section I'm starting off is a uh, poem titled Daddy by Sylvia Plath. And it's the following. Daddy, you do not do, you do not do any more black shoe in which I have lived like a foot for 30 years, poor and white, barely daring to breathe or at chew. Daddy, I have had to kill you. You died before mm-hmm. I had time. Marble heavy, a bag full of God, ghastly statue with one gray toe, big as a Frisco seal, and a head in the freakish Atlantic where it pours bean green over blue, and the waters off beautiful Nauset, which is a beach and harbor on Cape Cod. I used to pray to recover you, ach du, which is German for ah you, and the German tongue in the Polish town great flat by the roller of wars, wars, wars. But the name of the town is common, my Polak friend. Because mm. there are a dozen or two. So I never could tell where you put your foot, your root. I never could talk to you. The tongue stuck in my jaw. It stuck in a barbed wire snare. Itch, 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 which is German for I, 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 I. I could hardly speak. I thought every German was you, and the language obscene. An engine, an engine, chuffing me off like a Jew. A Jew to Dachau, Auschwitz, Belden, their constant Nazi concentration camps. I began to talk like a Jew. I think I may well be a Jew. The snows of the Tyrol, the clear beer of Vienna, are not very pure or true. With my gypsy ancestress and my weird luck, and my tarot pack, which is tarot cards used in fortune telling, and my tarot pack, I may be a bit of a Jew. I have always been scared of you with your Luftwaffe, which is the German Air Force in World War II, your gobbledy goo, and your neat mustache, and your errant eye bright blue. Panzer man, Panzer man, OU. Panzer man referring to a German tank unit in World War II. Not God, but a swatica. So black, no sky could squeak through. Every woman adores a fascist. The boot in the face, the brute. Brute heart of a brute like you. You stand at the blackboard, Daddy, in the picture I have of you. A cleft in your chin instead of your foot. But no less a devil for that, no not. Any less the black man who bit my pretty red heart in two. I was ten when they buried you. At 20, I tried to die and get back, back, back to you. I thought even the bones would do. But they pulled me out of the sack and they stuck me together with glue. And then I knew what to do. I made a model of you, a man in black with a mean Kemp look. Mean Kemp is my struggle, the title of Adolf Hitler's political autobiography. And they love the rack and the screw. And I said, I do, I do. So, Daddy, I'm finally through. The black telephone's off at the root. 
the voices just can't worm just can't worm through. If I've mm. killed one man, I've killed two. The vampire who said he was you and drank my blood for a year. Seven years if you want to know. Daddy, you can lie back now. There's a stake in your fat black heart, and the villagers never liked you. He was talking about Mussolini. They are dancing and stamping on you. They always knew it was you. Daddy, daddy, you bastard, I'm through. The end. Mm. Wow. Mm. Ooh, you can feel the hurt. Mm. Ah, such deep hurt. Mm. Um, I tell you, wow. Estrangement, mm. you know, when the mm. child has been abandoned by their parents. There's no other way to put it than that way. There's that deep, deep hurt, that void that they carry throughout their life, even as an adult. It doesn't empty, you know? And the best way, I guess, to deal with that Disappointment and that deep, deep hurt is to sometimes just let go completely Mm -hmm. and release it. Get it off your chest. Get it out. Say it. Cry it out. Shout it out. And you can feel that the writer was doing themselves Mm -hmm. a great service in that regard using their pen to get their relief and release mm-hmm. of that weight. Yeah. What what would you like to say about that piece, Mother of Six? Mother of I'm Six. I'm sorry, guys. I was muted. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> sorry about that. We've been having a couple of. Yeah, glitches tonight. No, I muted myself. The... <laughs> I, I muted myself. And I was like, oh, I was okay. Like, mm-hmm. I was over here in silence, you know, under my mute. Like, go ahead, girl. I'm, I'm, uh-huh. feeling, I'm <laughs> feeling. She said, she said a lot. That was, that was mm-hmm. wonderful. Mm-hmm. I definitely enjoyed your piece. Yes, very nice, very strong. Yeah. Oh my. Yes, a lot of strength and expression and and using words to express emotion. Um when you when English wasn't suffice, then the German words came and so forth, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and even the conflict of um identity uh crisis there where, mm-hmm. you know, I guess I I'll I'll be that Jew. I I can express um, a lot of the emotions and things, you know, I'm being uh, told that that's the way I'm acting, so this is what I'll the do, I'll this is how I'll speak, you know. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and I think, yeah. Go right on the head, Mother of Six. I'm sorry, I said it was very nice. I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. And Zipporah, what would you like to say in reply to reading something like that, reading a piece that's so heavy as far as being so impactful and full of emotion? 
how well, did that? Already, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, how did that? Um, and and you know what kind of effect did it have on you reading that sort of writing? Well, you've already answered, you know, um, your own question about, you know, when you said emotion, and that's mm-hmm. how I read it, you know, because I was. Um, Read, I, mean, I know about this poem because I had to write a paper on it, but I had chose mm-hmm. to read it tonight because of what this category regarding anti-Trump art warriors resistance. And it's a reflection of what, you know, is being fought to keep from happening. You know, in other words, it's happening all over again, but it can be stopped. That's true. That's true. Mm-hmm. And when you talk about concentration camps and mm-hmm. you talk about uh, the Holocaust and sufferings and mm-hmm. all of that. I mean, it it, it brings up deep-seated emotions, especially for mm-hmm. anyone who is a descendant of a people who have been uh, done a disservice or injustices mm-hmm. were manifested. You know, whether mm-hmm. it was genocide, mm-hmm. um you talk about the Holocaust. Well, um, slavery was the Black Holocaust. Yeah, Jim Crow. Color, yeah, you know. Yeah, with the Jim Crow slash, you know, um, segregation. Yes, and it still continues. And you know, and with, right, you know. like a lot of people mm-hmm. think this is the post-slavery era here in America, but not so. Mm-hmm. When you consider, there's still many struggles that we have yet to mm-hmm. overcome. In terms right. of discrimination and injustices, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, we're not yeah, there so yet, right? So that's why I had, you know, figured that this piece would be perfect, you know, for under the category. I don't want to sound repetitive, but mm-hmm. it's like this poem is like a lot of emotion and the heavy symbolism. That's why I want to add when um, now that you had mentioned it, and you know, we keep talking, so it's bringing up a lot more description you know, with the symbolism. Right. Symbolism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And symbols are powerful to use in writing, especially when you are expressing um, emotion. Yes, very, mm-hmm. very significant, these symbols. Yes, indeed. And then also I want to add, too, I'm looking at is the trauma. The mm-hmm. trauma yeah. that's, that's true. And mm-hmm. And we're definitely in an era right now where, there's a lot of trauma. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of trauma that's not being uh, addressed. That's mm-hmm. happening every day in the communities uh, that we live in, and people are suffering. Whether it's PSTD, post-traumatic yeah. stress disorder, now they're saying yeah. inner-city children are being uh, diagnosed with that. Mm-hmm. Just and because of the perils of living in the inner city that they face yeah. on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I also mm-hmm. speaking of trauma, there was one woman who said, I think her son, when her son was 28, that he had uh, came, um, he had experienced stop and frisk, and he mm-hmm. came home mm-hmm. and said he looked like a deer, you know, in the headlights. She asked him, "What's wrong?" And then he had, you know, he was traumatized. He had told her, you know, what had happened. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's traumatic. That is traumatic. Mm-hmm. And imagine a child being in the car, seeing their parent treated like that, mm-hmm. and they know their parent is innocent and doesn't have a gun. 
in the car. Yeah, for, yeah, for Lando Castile. Right, you know, and, and the child, that picture, mm-hmm. it's never going to fade. That child's going to carry that for the rest mm-hmm. of their life. Mm-hmm. Wow. Exactly. Yeah. We just have to yeah, pray, so bless the children, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, sorry. I'm I'm gonna move on right to the mm-hmm. next um, section. Um, it's uh, letter B, which are shows, <clears throat> mm-hmm. and I have um, it's three parts to the same show. So it's uh, Alien Nation. The sum here's the summary from Alien Nation TV series Wikipedia. The series is set in the near future in the United States. In 1990, a flying saucer crashes into the Mojave Desert containing a race of extraterrestrials, the Tectonese, spelled T-E-N-C-T-O-N-E-S-E, escaping from slavery under a cruel overseer race. They resemble humans but have certain anatomical, anatomical differences. Their aerogenous zones are located on their backs, and the males are the gender that deliver babies and have been bred with greater physical strength and intelligence. These newcomers, as they are called, are accepted as the latest immigrants to the U.S., and the series explores issues around their integration in the multicultural society of the U.S. The storylines generally revolved around morality plays on the evils of racism and bigotry using newcomers as the discriminated minority. As fictional extraterrestrial immigrants the newcomers could stand in for social issues about various races as well as sexual minorities such as gays and lesbians and would invert the usual expectations. For instance, during the run of the series, George became pregnant, the male of his species carrying a fetus for part of its gestation. And during much of the episode, dialogue included lines like, Quote, if you females had to feel the pain we males feel during pregnancy, there wouldn't be any babies, end quote. The series offered social commentary by illustrating what it means to be human and the often bizarre rituals we observe. Mm-hmm. All right, number Very two. Good. Thank you. Any questions or comments? Sorry. No, nah, I'm telling you, you can keep on flowing. All right, thank you. All right, number two, Alienation Second Summary from Alienation TV Series. In this futuristic cop show, the newcomers are aliens from the planet Tecton whose spaceship, a slave ship, crash-landed in the Mojave Desert in the early 90s. Now 1995, the near future, as the show aired 1989 to 90, The plot of the series revolves around newcomer George Francisco and his partner Matt Sykes, who was a human, who are both detectives for the LAPD. They clash on several levels, the least of which is not Matt's propensity for rash decisions and violence versus George's quiet, introspective analysis. All right, here's an episode, Green's Eyes, Season 1, Episode 1. Plot summary. Tensions between partners erupt when Francisco passes the Detective 2 exam and is promoted over Sykes. Matt becomes uncomfortable with his attraction to Kathy, and I'm adding she's a newcomer, 
the mysterious death of a newcomer judge points to a lethal bacterium being used as a weapon. And number three, Alienation, season one, episode one, the TV movie, one in ten, it's in part, like part one of ten, for example. Summary, in Los Angeles, circa 1991, Humans live alongside extraterrestrial humanoid beings whose spaceship crash-landed three years earlier. This coexistence is not always harmonious, as exemplified by segregated slums and the uneasy partnership of police detective Matthew Sykes, James Kane, with new humanoid partner Sam Francisco, Mandy Patinkin. However, the pair begin to overcome their differences as they investigate a slum drug ring led by the slippery William Harcourt, Terrence Stamp. Mm-hmm. All right. Category C, film. Until death does us part. The trailer, all right, the message is beware of possessiveness, which is destructive. Category D, music. Number one, The Best Man I Can Be, Genuine, Case, Tyrese, and R.L. Message is betterment. Mm. Number Number two, You Gotta Be by Desiree. Message, Mm -hmm. confidence. And number three, Hold On, We're Going Home by Drake. Message, beware of inner inner circle moles which are spies who achieve over a long period an important position within the security defenses of a country. Oh, wow. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that was with uh, Drake's... Oh, wait a minute, that video. You know what? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah Hold I on do remember seeing that minute. video. <laughs> mm-hmm. It did touch on that. Yes, it mm-hmm. did. Yeah. That was my sales up. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I le- I love her selection too of of the music and the messages and those mm-hmm. particular songs by those artists. Mm-hmm. Very good choices. Mm-hmm. Very, very. I like your wordplay too because I I love when I write my pieces. I love to write them mm-hmm. in, in wordplay. I like I like people to figure out where is it going. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mhm. And those are the artists, you know, we have to continue to promote their works. When they're putting out music with a message that is about confidence, betterment, um, being conscious, social conscious, global conscious, because there's so much happening even within government now. As far as Mm -hmm. our rights, a lot of privacy that we once had, we don't even have anymore. Laws are changing Mm -hmm. where we're losing Mm -hmm. certain rights that we once had that were guaranteed rights. Yeah. Yeah, so we do. We have to, you know, Mm -hmm. support those artists that are telling the truth and unafraid. Mm -hmm. They're using their platform as an artist to promote justice and to keep mm-hmm. us conscious of what's happening in the world. Mm-hmm. And that's a good thing. 
Mm-hmm. All right, thank you very much. <clears throat> and thank I'm you. going to be signing off, you know, for tonight. Okay, well, thank you for all the information shared. It was all good resource information. And now we're going to transition from the free publishing tips hour to our open mic and our first artist that we're going to feature in the spotlight for the open mic segment of our show tonight is Mother of Six. Oh, man, you got me when I wasn't ready. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Can we take a music break and then we'll come back? Yes, yes. Yeah. Not yes. a problem. All right. All right. All right. And I'm going to, all right, everyone, this is Warriors Queens of Forest Elements signing off for Exceptional Scribble Episode 181, Tuesday, September 19, 2017. Until next time. All right. Mm-hmm. Have a good night, my co-host and a very supportive co-host, Warriors Queens of Porous Elman. Thank you as well for everything shared. Thanks. You're welcome, Duchess Rand, and you have a good night also. And you too, Mother of Six. All right. At this time, we're taking a music break, ladies and gentlemen. And believe it or not, this particular song is by Maroon 5. And this particular song is entitled, I'm sorry, I made a error there. We're going to have a music break. That particular song is not the song for tonight. This song is by Beyonce, entitled Hold Up.
Right, that was Hold Up by Beyonce. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are now ready for the open mic segment of tonight's show. And front and center in the spotlight, we are honored to present none other than Mother of Six. Welcome, Mother of Six. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, I'm ready for you, though. <laughs> <laughs> All right. This is a little more lengthier than the first one that I did. This is actually called The Hood. So this oh, is what okay. I see every day. Uh-huh. Wonderful. Come over here, young people, and allow me to introduce you 
to little Millie. She is the only foster child that we have living on this block. Because, you see, due to the street violence, her parents' lives were abruptly ended due to the bullets fired from a clock. And over there sits Jimmy, the former gang member, who is now a quadriplegic and is barely alive because the rival gang member ripped his spine apart with two bullets from a forty-five. If you walk with me to the corner of my block where you can visit the memorial of the eight innocent souls, who are now in heaven because of a planned drive-by initiation in which the potential member opened up using the AK-47. That is poor old Mrs. Williams, whose life has been shattered into a million pieces because her cheating son-in-law had it in his head that his wife was a nasty, was a nasty dirty whore. So he beat her ass beyond recognition and into her life as she stared into a barrel of his 44. Did you pay any attention to that beautiful woman we just had? She says that her becoming a whore are the cards that life has dealt. And because because her last trick tried to kill her, she now keeps a curl handle 22 tucked down the side of her garter belt. Oh, shit. Everybody run for cover because there's always gunshots are being fired. And before our eyes, another body has just been slumped. Uh, and the bold uh, motherfucker who is only 16 is still standing there holding that smoking pump. Please do not get alarmed, but that chalk outline, but that chalk body outline you are standing on was once a police informant as well as the neighborhood piper. So the head of the drug deal, the drug cartel, decided to put his ass to rest with the assistance from a government trained sniper. Check out that house with the police tape around it. That used to be the home of a two of a excuse me, the home of two five year old twin brothers who loved playing cops and robbers, just being boys and having fun. That was up until this evening when Randy blew away Ryan when he when he replaced his little toy rifle with his father's fully loaded shotgun. Does the, does the Second Amendment of the Constitution make owning guns a blessing? I would think not, because it is robbing us of our lifeline while lining the pockets of the shareholders invested in Smith and Weston. Young people, I am telling and sharing, sharing. I'm sorry, I'm telling and showing you where I come from because I need for you all to see that these streets are really mean. And my own personal story of violence is just recently I lost the only man I ever loved because he was wrongfully thrown away with a fucking M16. And I can only pray that all my lessons you will listen to and take heed because violence is something we can all do without. And a lot more peace and love is what this world needs. And that's that piece. I'm sorry, y'all. My cat kept messing with me. Oh, <laughs> Wow, but that, wow, that piece, oh, my gosh. Anyone growing up in the inner city or being a resident in the inner city at one time or another in their life can identify with that, how you can just, in your own block, identify these markers, maybe the middle house, the Mm -hmm. end of the block house. But something happened that was just, it was just life 
changing to the extent where it literally marked time where where anybody that passes that house, they know this event happens here. And exactly. the neighborhood has never been the same. Exactly. You know? Mm-hmm. And I love the way you did that. And you, it was just like a walkthrough in, on that block. And you were able to say what happened and who was involved and how it impacted everyone's life. And I think that's awesome. That's awesome storytelling. And you are a griot in your own right. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Thank you. Well, I have a piece. I'm going to share it's entitled Justice. And then we'll have a couple more poems. And if anyone calls in, we'll keep it going. And if not, we'll say about, we'll share, you know, you and I will go back and forth and do maybe two or three poems and give feedback, and then we'll close out for the night. How's that? Okay. (laughs) All right. This piece is entitled Justice. Does justice have wings? Can justice fly? Does justice have a soul? Does justice cry? Does justice sing? Does justice dance? Does justice have a lover? Does justice have a mother? Does justice even exist? Many seem to wonder. Does justice even care? Does she even know I need her now? Justice, we need her now. Justice, hear my plea. We need you. Come quickly. End of peace. I love it. Thank you. I, 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 you know, you're strong. I, I, I love your voice. I love yourself. Thank I enjoy you. your piece. So uh, I appreciate, you know, hearing it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, go ahead. See, that's <laughs> <laughs> With me, wow. I try to make pieces where I emphasize, but I'm more of a story type of person. Mm-hmm. So when I write, I think I, I visualize everything that I'm writing in my right, piece. So right. I tell more so stories, but I love when when I hear poets and they, they can rise and drop in their pieces mm. and slide in two bits. And I, you know, I'm, I'm getting there. I wrote a couple of pieces, <laughs> but my voice just ends up taking that same turn, though. Yeah, because, you know, everyone's style varies, you know, even as spoken word artists. You know, not all spoken word artists have the same flow or energy. Right. 
and style, but I respect your style. I love it because it's that narrative, real storyteller. And I think that's important for when there's a moral to a story and you need someone to really grasp and understand it. You need a storytelling narrative voice for that. So, and you just have it naturally. So, yeah, every every voice or style has its place. Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I said one day I'm going to pick out one of those power. Like, I mean, I know mine has power, but yeah. it's just a different flow that I'm trying to achieve right. when I say that. I just I just can't get mine to twist to that point. It just, But I am going to see another piece. And this yes. Piece, yes, please this, do. This is when um, Trayvon first mm. got killed. So I'm taking it a little little back here with this piece. Yes, thank you. I appreciate oh. your selections too, your choices this evening. Very, very timely, you know, for what's going on right now in our world. Exactly. Very timely. Mm-hmm. And this piece is called Their Civic Duty. Uh, I see that it's acceptable to follow a young man for no reason and then gun him down in cold blood. Should it be second-degree murder or manslaughter? And in the case of George Zimmerman, neither verdict will will it be. It was evident through a jury of white women that it was not a crime to kill Trayvon Martin, a young black man, so that the reason why they allowed the white killer to get off it was their civic duty to set that white man free. Who in the hell could have reasonably disputed that George Zimmerman himself was not out looking for trouble? Evident, evident, I'm sorry, I need to get my words bigger. Evident went against the advice of 911, he still decided to approach the mysterious young man simply because he was wearing a hood. Mm. But when, in all reality, Zimmerman was the suspicious thug out patrolling for victims strapped with his deadly weapon of choice, he was the monster lurking in the darkness. He was the one who was up to no good. And how about the story of the black woman who was who also resided in Florida, whose husband had abused her so much, leaving her always hurt and in tears. She fired warning shots at her abuser, never once hitting him with any bullets, and for that she received no less than 20 years. I think that is an outrage when a black person's life is worth less than that of a pit bull dog. With that crime, they will throw a brother in jail real quick. That was an expensive life learned lesson that was taught to a black man, well-known athlete, as we all know, as the Philadelphia Eagles quarterback, Mike Dick. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And let's not forget about the white woman who killed her own child because she still wanted to party and be free. She blamed the crime on a black man, only to find out that it was all a lie, but yet and still. She got to profit from her crime by selling her story to the cable channel, Lifetime TV. Mm. Yes. Mm-hmm. The killing of a black person, for some white people, it is a victory because it has no more than a hunt for sport 
They think it will increase their chance of survival by cutting the black race short. Is there really justice or is it just us, the black race, who does not receive the equality we deserve? But yet, but let a black folk kill a white person in self-defense that they put, I'm sorry, I'm screwing this up. I typed it so small. Mm-hmm. I used I used to didn't wear glasses when I wrote this piece, so I apologize. Okay, so, not a problem. Okay. It's very concise and clear. The message is coming through really clear. Thank you. Oh, my pleasure. Oh, yeah, and let's not forget about the white woman who killed her own children because she still wanted to party and be great. She blamed the crime on a black man only to find out that it was all a lie, but yet and still she got the profit from her crime by selling her story to the cable channel, Lifetime TV. Yes, the killing of a black person for no... Oh, man, I wrote this. The killing of a black person for some white people it is a victory because it is no more than a hunt for sport. But they think it will increase their chance of survival by cutting the black race short. Is there really justice or is it just us, the black race, who does not receive the equality we deserve? But yet a black folk kill a white person in self-defense. They put us under the jail to rot, but they call us savages. I tell you, those white folks got some nerve. It's a damn shame that I had the feeling Zimmerman was going to be a free man by the 10th hour of the liberation. I bet if you dig deep enough to Zimmerman's family history, I bet you won't be surprised to find that he had been accused of incest molestation. Pack up, Zimmerman. Pack up. You would if you are smart of a man that you think you are. Get your family and your shit and move to a whole new place. My suggestion, somewhere far. You have further tips the already uneven scales of justice, and the people have never lied when they said that justice is blind. You are mm. all people need to put be put in prison and really serve your first dessert dish out to you by your own kind, criminals, that is, George Zimmerman. Yes, Trayvon Martin may have gotten into his fair share of mischief, but that was all just a natural reaction to normal growing pains. But releasing the prejudice murderer back into society, for some races, it may be normal, and for some races, it's just insane. Now, I know that there may be a small percentage of white people to whom my anger is not directed, so just let this fly. But to the ones who think, so yet, to the ones who think you are above the black race, to you, my hatred does apply. So yet again, I say to you, all I see that is acceptable to follow a young man for no reason and then gun him down to cold blood. Should it be second-degree murder or manslaughter? Or in the case of George Zimmerman, neither verdict will it be. It was evident through a jury of white women that it was not a crime to kill Trayvon Martin, a young black man. So that is the reason why they are allowed to let a white killer get off free. It was their civic duty to set that white man free. And that's that piece. Mm. 
yes, yes. I have to say the narrative style or storytelling voice, that was perfect for that piece. Thanks. And I like how you take your time as you're telling a, a story, a true story at that. Um, that's a piece that should be heralded because you really highlight a lot of truths in that piece and how too often people of color thank you seem to fall victim in these uh incidents and mm-hmm. they're unarmed. Um our men, young men and uh justice unfortunately it still has yet to be served. Exactly. And that's the sad uh truth of the story. You know, we're still without justice for these families and these right. mothers who are grieving, you know, the loss of their sons. And I think we need more scribes and poets and writers writing about these true stories to bring awareness, to help bring awareness to all what we live. Right. Yeah, everybody, you know, because this is affecting us and it's becoming an epidemic now. I mean, it's almost like every other day it's happening. Right. And that's right. what's scary about it. Since his death, you know, it's it's increased. The rate of such killings has increased. Mm-hmm. And it's sad to say, but it's like, are we getting better? Is it ending or is it just recycling? It's just starting. It's not right. starting, but it's it's slipping because now they're killing the women and the children. Mm-hmm. So it just didn't stop at the fact that it's a black man, you know, right. our black males. It has now went to our black females and mm-hmm. our children that can get shut down and it's justified that they, you know, so mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's the race. It's the race. That's right. Cause I'm, I'm, this is making me reflect on, like you said, our children. The young boy, uh, he was definitely unarmed. He was playing with a toy gun mm, 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 mm. and how he was gunned down by the officer. The officer never even assessed the situation, just rolled <laughs> in, rolled right up on him and shot him. Shot him. Because it's allowed. I mean, it's allowed. Wow. We'll, we'll figure it out. We'll sweep it under the rug. We'll make it fit the, the puzzle. Right, you know? right. And it's like, you can't. You can't. Mm-hmm. I was innocent, blessed, Bill. And, you know, now it's to the point where the people are fed up. Mm-hmm. You know, Black Lives Matter is to the point now where it's like, no. We're not taking this sitting down. We're taking this to the civic leaders. We're taking it to the politicians' houses. We're taking it to City Hall. We're taking it to Capitol Hill. We're going there now. 
Because it's yeah, like, cause they're not doing anything. Right. Yeah. If you don't stand up and you don't make no noise, you're not going to be heard. So. Right. That's it. And we got to come up in their faces now to get them mm-hmm. to do what they need to do. Mm-hmm. And That's it how I have to be It's just yep. to me repeating itself. That's it. Things yes, not you're right. needed anymore. But That's it's right. just to me repeating itself. And now yes, we don't man. have that strong of a leader that mm-hmm. has to get the job done. So, you know, start saying mm-hmm. talk, but you don't really get out the air. I don't know right. what Jackson is doing anymore. You know, I, I, I don't true. even know. And the thing is, <clears throat> right now, religion separates. Mm. But if the Muslims mm-hmm. and the, the, the Christians and everybody pull together right now, mm-hmm. maybe we can come up with a leader to lead our people where we need to be. And then if you want to separate back into your corners of of, of religion and go back to right, your, right. your way of being with your religion, okay, you, we earned that serenity now. You can go back to that piece. But right now, you don't really have it. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's so my true. opinion. Very true. It, it It's a good opinion to have. And a lot of people, I'm sure, agree with you. Yes, indeed, and share that same sentiment because it's it's true. It's true. And hopefully this year is a turning point in America. Even with, right. the, you know, with the natural disasters, how Texas, oh, my gosh, how Texas was um, hit so hard by mm. Hurricane Irma that became a tropical storm, but devastated much. Oh, much. yeah. Devastation, and then Florida, the same, as well as we have a new one, uh, Maria, that's now uh, heading towards Puerto Puerto Rico. Rico. Mm -hmm. So I think all of that is going to, it's got to bring us closer together as humanity. Exactly. Exactly. But we don't think like that anymore. We're too busy competing against each other to realize we need each other, so... Mm. It, it, it's not going to work. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's not going to work. Mm. So we realize how much of And right now, it's like we're not realizing it because everybody feels like the effect or the effect mm-hmm. is not really touching them. So since it's not touching them directly, right. anything that's indirectly, they don't have to worry about it. That's true. So, that is true. No. That's sad and true. Definitely. The only thing I do is I have six children. That's why I have that name. But I have four boys. Mm-hmm. And even mm-hmm. my two daughters, I pray about and I worry about my sons. I pray extra hard and I pray yeah. four times. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I'm, but I'm just one person, so I can't go out there and fight the world. I tell people. Right, I'm right. That's right. So, you said a mouthful right there. We can do more united than we can ever accomplish divided. As an individual. That's yeah. it. And that's what our community must remember. If we unite, we can become a united front, and we can do what needs to be done as a unit. But if we right. are segregated amongst ourselves, we'll never get there. We can't achieve our goals that way. That's why mm-hmm. we're losing so many of our people. Mm-hmm. That's, That's exactly it. why. Mm-hmm. 
But I'm thinking, you know, we got to change. It's like everything's coming to a head now, even with the present we have. I think that's forcing our hands, in a sense, to unite. Mm -hmm. Because Mm -hmm. we realize we cannot survive, not in the kind of America he's trying to make America. Um, mm. No. <laughs> you notice I took a deep breath on that because uh-huh. I, I hate to say, I hate to use the word president and his name in the same thing. Mm-hmm. It doesn't flow perfectly and it doesn't come out right. Right. But I'm going to tell right. you this. I'm going to say this, and, and, and as a female, I don't yeah. hate on another female because no other woman makes me feel inferior to them, and I don't think I'm superior over another female. Right. But, this is my thing. If a part of the move to be a United States president is you have to have lived in this country or you have to at least have been born into this country, that's the main thing. Mm-hmm. Now, we have a non-United States national-born female in our White House. That That's bothers true. me. That bothers me. Mm. For one, she was trash. You know, I'm sorry, but, you know, I think she was doing the nudie poses or some stuff. <laughs> you know, right she's, doing, she's, not, she's not that first lady. That just, to me, just took away anything okay. first lady should be. I don't feel mm. that type. Mm-hmm. So, I, I really can't. make a very strong and interesting point there. That's right. So I've I've that never sat well with me, and I just be like, well, mm-hmm. you know, again, I'm here in Philly, so there's nothing I can do about that. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I just have to accept that she's our our well, she's his wife. That's how I'm gonna put it. Mm-hmm. So, that's how I feel about that too. Right, right. <laughs> I really can't. But I, well, um, it should be. Um, that's hey. It we need radio shows that have forums where we can raise these types of questions and even these thoughts. They need to be looked at. They need to be considered and. We need to visit these uh, opinions because when we vote again, when it, it, it comes that time again for us to vote on who should preside over this nation, we need to look at that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we need to seriously look at that and think about, well, what should what standards do we feel one should uh, be fulfilling in order to even be qualified to be a candidate to run. And exactly. that's the governor of our mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, so I'm like this. Wherever she come from, she has a family where she come from. And right mm-hmm. now, we're at odds with too many people <laughs> to be so trusting of just anybody. And you know, mm-hmm. no 
prior family has ever kept their family from coming through that White House. So that's true. Why would her family be any different when she if they want to come visit her and they're in that White mm-hmm. House? That's true. Where's the security at now? Right and loyalty. See, yeah, it's not even been a full year, and a lot of things are already in question about meetings and so forth with. Uh, Trump's family and Russians, and we just got to look at the big picture and say, you know, how secure is our nation's borders? Um, you know, is he trading? Is he trustworthy? Is he trustworthy? Trust I don't know. Yeah, trust even them. his wife. I mean, for all we know, she could be a spy for the KGB. Her loyalty is going to always be to. Her Where country. did she come from? Exactly. Exactly. So, oh. you know, it is a lot to consider here. Yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. Definitely is. But, you know, and some of the same people that put them put him there, talk mm-hmm. about, oh, my God, why did I vote I for him? Don't That's right. have buyer's remorse now, sweetie. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because I work um, doing um, enrollment, okay? Mm-hmm. And this guy called. He was a white guy. He called into my line. I'm talking to him. And he was like how the Obamacare wasn't nothing and, you know, Trump going to come in and do away with the Obamacare and so on and so forth. So he made the comment and said, yeah, but, you know, I'm all right because I got the affordable care, affordable health care. Yeah. That's Obamacare. Mm. Right. That's you right. You thought you had something better than the people down here because you using the name affordable health care, and we down here because we're enjoying this. So we say, hey, Obamacare. But the thing of it is, presidents before Obama and before the old president was trying to put that in place, and it just kept falling through. So this isn't nothing that separates you from the people that got the Obamacare. So just think about that. So when they finish eliminating Obamacare, I hope you got something that you can afford because you're losing your affordable health care. <laughs> That conversation went to a whole different way. Now you now you want me to tell you about your uh, claim or whatever you call me for. You don't want to talk right, to me no more right. about this health care because I just put you where I wanted you to be. Mm-hmm. Now, now you look in the same way everybody else looking that has Obamacare. Thank you. <laughs> Made my day. That's true. You know? So, uh, and I'm not, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a prejudiced person by far because my youngest son is mixed. His dad was white, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I don't have, I'm not prejudiced at all. I'm right. Just, I'm just angry at the ones that's taking his path. You know what I mean? The mm-hmm. ones that now that he's in office, you want to run around and start beating and killing. Them. 
No, right. no, 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 no. Right. no. You're taking it. You're taking it too far because people are protecting themselves a lot more than they were doing That's when right. history was allowing it to take place. So you got to watch what you do. That's true. That's right. So, it's a different time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You ain't going to drag nobody's son up, up the street and then you think you're mm-hmm. going to get away with it. They're going to be at your front door before you even get home. That's right. You know it. <laughs> you better think about that. You know what I mean? This day and age, you better think about that. What car is his father? Oh, yeah. I know uh-huh. who that is. Oh, come on. We're going to be right there. So when he gets there, yeah. we're already there. That's right. Mm-mm. That's not that. what y'all did years ago. You can't do now. That. Yeah. Make America great again. I don't know what he was seeing y'all behind those doors. But don't let that go to your head. Right. Right, exactly. That's a code they understand, whoever's yeah. in his circle. Yeah. But yeah. we know, uh-uh, that don't, that don't fly with us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. We decode that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the thing that they know about, make America great. Right. Okay. Good old boys. They want it yeah. their way now. Yeah. I can be their yeah. way. Yeah. Because you mm-hmm. know they always say that. You, you they always right. say that. So mm-hmm. ooh, your slogan is <laughs> right. Yeah, mm-hmm. I saw they had on CNN. Ronald Reagan said that first, like some years back. And you know Ronald Reagan is like the Republican Party. They worship him. Oh yeah, they love him. So yeah, so I said okay. So he's trying to re. Um, he wants to resurrect that thing what Reagan tried to do in America with Reaganomics and all of that. It's like, no, mm-hmm. we don't want to go, we don't turn the hands of time backwards. Back. When we want exactly. things to move forward, we don't do that. We're not going to endorse or co-sign this. <laughs> it's exactly. like Trump, you on your own. <laughs> exactly. See like there. building that wall, nah. I, I ain't feeling hey, that. Yeah, come on now. Come on, right. Like, you know, See, what, he, what I tell people is he ran for office. It was either mm-hmm. a rich man's bet or his arrogance, and, and it was a joke. Right, right. That's it. It was one of two reasons he really ran for office. That's right. Other than that, he'd be bored. He knew mm-hmm. his money would, would be put on that campaign and, and sit everybody right, else right. down because you went in there with money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-mm. He was Everybody bragging knows. about that. He said, I'm, I, I'm the only candidate that don't have to fundraise. I am financing exactly. my hand. I was like, okay, check him out. It's arrogance to speak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I liked him when he was making Atlantic City, you know, beautiful, right. dazzling, you know. Yeah. Outside of that, he, he nope. No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to run the country the whole, you know. It takes more than than that, you know. Exactly. I just wish President Obama um, had a third term. <laughs> oh my God! That uh, was my dream. I was like, if he could have just had a third term, he could have made right the wrong. Yes. Can y'all just get rid of Trump? Tell, call up Obama be like, look, can you just fill in until we get another president? Like, you don't even have to do the full term. We know you're still in there. Right. Substitute, you know, we could do a re-vote or something for next, for exactly. starting January. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I'm definitely with you. I'm definitely with yeah. you. Yeah, I mean, she was, and his wife, Michelle, that was a first lady, a first lady. Oh. She's such a whore. Can't nobody, can't nobody do nothing else for her. Exactly. I mean, she got she, out there. They broke the mood after they had her. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And she was always yep. classy. And, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, this, this, this chick. Yeah. And not being classy, so right. And she had the nerve to even use the some of the same words of a speech yes. that the first lady had. <laughs> I said, "What?" Now that's yeah. And, and then you would blatantly read that, like anybody I know. Don't know it was her <laughs> words. Are you right? Like you would not right notice. Come on. Right. <laughs> I know when she was reading that Michelle <laughs> on the floor. Like, what? Right. <laughs> but they don't know I said that eight years ago. Come on, girl. Mm-hmm. That lets you know she was oblivious. She didn't know. I mean, you would think you would check and make sure that whoever writes the speeches that, you know, I want it to be my words, make sure it's not right. anybody else's words, or let me quote them, you know. Right. And run it through plagiarism for me, please, so I can make right. sure it's not, like, come on. Said, you can't why? live why? that one down. People will always remember that. <laughs> That's I don't thing. even think she cares because she, you know, she's from a I whole other country. She, she don't care. Exactly. Yeah, she, she don't care. She gets to live in the White House and enjoy his money as she put on that mm-hmm. press. You know what I mean? <laughs> so she don't even care. She's comfortable. Yeah. Mm-mm. Well, I enjoyed the show. I got to get up early. Yeah, Same here. Well, me. thanks for calling in, and thank you for sharing your awesome poetry. And, of course, you know our show. Anytime you want to call in and share, you are more than welcome. I was yes. five. Right now I work two jobs in school, and I happen not to go to work today to my second one. Oh, okay. Call in and see what's going on in the poet world. Cause and best of success to you with school. That's Important. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm trying welcome. to get through. But you You're have a great it. night. You too. And thank you. And again, awesome poems. Awesome. Thank That's you. a success with the thank book. You. <laughs> thank You're you. Welcome. Oh, yeah. I got some pieces. I just got to find the time to put everything together. But thank you. Mm-hmm. You're very you welcome. Have, have, have a, a good, good night. night as well. All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that concludes episode 181 of the Exceptional School Show. And listen, yeah, we talk politics as well on this platform. We don't just talk literature and composition, how to write a book, how to write poetry. We also talk about current events. We talk about real-life politics what's happening, even the weather, okay? So when you tune in to the Exceptional Scribble Show, note this. This show covers a lot as far as topics goes. And we want you to be a part of it. Every Tuesday night, we're coming to you live, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And that number is 724-444. 7444, and the show's ID number is 
three, and then the pound key. And, of course, we're coming to you live via the TalkShoe.com server every Tuesday night. Don't forget, because I promise you, you won't want to miss out on what's the topic. It's always going to be a hot topic every week and a focus word or focus word phrase or focus subject matter um, that we'll be discussing. Open forum discussion means you can call in. We cater to callers. Be a part of us, for we are very much interested in you. That's why we have this show. And if you want to master the craft as a scribe, as a poet, as a writer, tune in every week. Free publishing tips hour is from 9 p.m. to 10 p.m. Sometimes we go over, and that's okay. The lead facilitator is the co-host, Warrioress Queen, Deborah Thelman. She's got tips for you. Call in, ask questions, and get full, accurate answers. Also, 10 p.m., we start the open mic night hour, 10, 10, 15 sometimes. We usually have our supporting host, The Duke, Donaldson Flowtime. And remember, he's always creative. He is a musical genius. Come and be inspired as he shares inspiration on this platform during the open mic night hour. And he also incorporates creating beats and music, okay, to spice things up. So if you're a spoken word artist and poet, Call in. He will provide the music to go with your lyrical genius. Thanks for supporting the Exceptional Soul Show weekly. You are much approved. At this time, we are signing out, and the song that we're going to sign out with is Bambi by Jadina. Jadina.
Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18+. Plus.